Hello and welcome to the This Had Oscar Buzz podcast, the only podcast being trained by first-year expedition expert Elizabeth Debicki. Every week on This Had Oscar Buzz, we'll be talking about a different movie that once upon a time had lofty Academy Award aspirations, but for some reason or another, it all went wrong. The Oscar hopes died, and we're here to perform the autopsy. I'm your host, Chris File. I'm here, as always, with my favorite freeloading bisexual <laughs> That is honestly the best description I could possibly uh, uh, get for this movie, considering the other options were um, unyielding Catholic and... Um, <laughs> oh, well, that's true. Pneumatic. What do you call somebody who has pneumonia? Pneumonia. Uh, sick well i was gonna say tubercular but it's not quite tuberculosis right it's it's pneumonia that that poor sebastian has in morocco pneumonionic sickly sickly Efsler. <laughs> like um <laughs> the options here aren't great they're not great. Uh, uh netflix animated contender pneumonia no that doesn't work <laughs> that's just the sickness that's <laughs> Lars von movie, Trier's Pneumoncolia. <laughs> it's just a wheezing planet that is uh, that is making its way into our orbit. Not pneumatic, because that's like a thing right. that moves, right? Right. Like, yeah. That's like the tubes th- that you send messages through in the 50s or whatever. Sure. Uh, listen, uh, they still use those things in hospitals uh, and such. Uh, nurses or uh, people who work in hospitals get back to us as to what's the adject- adjectival form of pneumonia. Person who has active pneumonia. No, those people... Rest. If you have active pneumonia, just, just get your get your rest. Get better. Get well. Well, but like, what what would you call such a person? And Oh, I see. I see. I thought you were. Active. I thought you were asking the active people who actively have pneumonia in our listenership to 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 get. Back oh no 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 no. Yeah. If you actively have pneumonia while listening to the show, first of all, get at us for the bragging rights. Everyone will be like, oh, hope you feel better. Um, but also, uh, we hope that we are a comfort to you. Um. Yes. In your current state, but also get better. I can't um, believe we got this far off the rails like a minute into this episode. <laughs> of all the things that we could have immediately gotten into. Uh, of all the things. Wealth, affluence, queer well, things. We I get have, into pneumonia. I have an, I have an a interesting opinion about this, uh, which is that, especially watching this movie so close to having seen Saltburn, and Saltburn is very, very much, like, takes the exact same premise as this, and just sort of, like, updates it, and then, like, does... 
Would you say it's more Brideshead or is it more Ripley? Because I no. who have not seen Saltburn. The setup for it is exactly the same setup as this. Down to, like, Oxford students, come visit me for the summer. Look at, there's my sister. Like, you know, it's, it's, the setup yes. is very that. Not, um, th- we are recording this, uh, listeners, we're coming to you from the far past, but somehow in the future, because, A, we're recording these out of order, but we're recording them way in advance right now. So, yeah. like, you may have seen Saltburn. Who knows? Maybe I'll have been lucky to have seen Saltburn uh, with my life, uh, such as it is. And uh, because it will have now reached wide release the day before Thanksgiving. Yeah. Fun times to be had by all. Saltburn goes family. in the same cultural bucket this year as the showtime series fellow travelers that i just reviewed recently which is um my first reaction is damn that's hot and that's probably like it it means like the quality of the actual like uh the rest of the movie is is probably a little bit less but sometimes you just want something that's like Super hot and sexy and fun, and that's I would recommend both enough. of those. Sure, 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 sure. Sometimes sure. that's enough, and like they're not bad. The rest of it is not bad. Like Saltburn is like at worst, you know, a good time. It's frust. There are things that frustrate, but I've seen plenty of people who don't like the movie. But I think I've even seen I've seen harsher negative critiques of Promising Young Woman than I've seen of this movie. But it's not Well, Promising Young Woman is trying for something like I think the 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 harsher critiques of Promising Young Woman I think are in some ways a reaction to oh that movie thought it did something. You know what I mean? Whereas like well, Saltburn doesn't think it's doing something. Like that's that's you know what I mean? Well, the the harshest critique of Saltburn that's like now going around viral is Paul Schrader saying something to the effect of it's trying to do the anti-Ripley, that it's like the person who's coming over and winning over the rich people is actually the less interesting one, whereas like Ripley is, here's how this poor person can come in and charm rich people and right. deceive them. Right. And he's like, it's an interesting, his thing was like, it's it's an interesting proposition that shouldn't work, and it doesn't. Um I enjoy Paul Schrader, and I certainly respect him on many levels. He's not somebody who I look for to... Um, <laughs> He's not necessarily not going to be... His batting average isn't great when it okay. comes to, like, right. uh, observing the world right now. You know what I mean? I like, appreciate him more as a filmmaker. Well, I mean, uh-huh, I appreciate uh-huh, him as, uh-huh. you know, a public uh, commenter. Chaos agent? Yeah, uh, sure. But more as entertainment often than as, yeah. uh, you know. He's uh, the benign version of all of the awful... Not benign. Benign's the wrong word. He's the better version of all of the awful um, boogeymen of film criticism who we talk about <laughs> and we don't... You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, uh, yeah, Paul Schrader's there. But Paul Schrader, it's the same crank impulse, right? Like, we sort of look to Schrader, we wind him up, and then we sort of, like, look at him go, and it's just... Um, yeah, like, at least... Uh, you can have fun with that, and I think at his heart, uh, Paul Schrader is not an evil person. But like, right. uh, there was another Armand White flare up recently that I noticed, sure and was. I was like, "You guys fucking fall for this every time, every time people fall for an Armand." Do White people? Thing. Okay, here's my thing with Armand White though: is do people get mad at him anymore, or do we just sort of pass these things around and being like, 
Armin's at it again, because that's sort of what I generally see. I saw, like, actual outrage and, like, people trying to out him to be like, Armin White is a gay Republican. And it's like, well, yeah. Well, yeah, Armin White has been around for forever. Like, we knew all of this shit. You shouldn't be falling for it. Like, don't even read it. Like, at this point, don't fall for Jeff Wells either. Just, like, don't read it. Don't. Don't let them I didn't think we were saying his brain, name, but okay. Like, Wells, I saw a thing recently where it was his reaction to the Gothams, the Gotham nominations. The Gotham nominations, by the way, in which I was also a crank about, although in a different way. And so I was like, I was reading it with some somewhat trepidatiously of just like, oh God, please don't let me and Wells be angry about the same goddamn thing about the Gothams. And thankfully, you know... That train is always on time with him. What is he mad about? He's mad about wokeness, of course. The nominees for the Gotham Awards are too woke. Apparently, Jeff Wells wanted the Gotham Awards to be a little bit more (laughs) uh, uh, reactionary or something. I don't know. Like, Jesus Christ, I mean, he probably thought that, like, his too woke nominee... I hate using... I mean, I hate when people use that as pejorative, and I hate to repeat it back, so it's like, I just felt like I vomited in my mouth. Because, it's like, ridiculous. It's when ridiculous people speak word. that way, you're just in- insane. Um, but also, like, the one that probably did it for him, because he's such a deranged person, was, like, Ryan Gosling and Barbie. Like, no, that's the thing. That, that was... was the sign. No, that was what I was worried about, that he was going to be, like, like, oh god, here they go. They they capitulated to Big Barbie, which is sort of my complaint, but not from the same angle. Like, I obviously, obviously, I don't hate Barbie because it's like girly leftist propaganda. I think that the Gothams are stupid for nominating something from a big fucking studio and the biggest moneymaker of the entire year. Like, Jesus sure, Christ. Sure, sure. Be I'm less sure we desperate. talked about it in our Vulture insert. Uh, be less what desperate. Would be a few weeks ago. Time is a flat circle. Time is a flat um, circle. No, he was what mad about was things Armin, like what was a the, thousand and one. He was mad about that kind of stuff. He was like, you know, that's a great was, movie. That's a great that's performance. He was mad that's about a great past lives. Debut. Yeah, everybody no, watch a thousand and one right. currently on Amazon but, Prime. But people, but people like that don't think that people genuinely like those things. They think they are uh, uh, performatively, you know, idiot. Can't can't fathom yeah, the idea couldn't that somebody possibly, you know, right. genuinely think that it's a great movie. Fuck anyway. Off. What now was the Meryl really Streep New York film critics win that Armin White booed her at the award ceremony as she like goes to accept the award or like said something insulting about her? I don't remember, but he also called um who was the one he called a garbage man? Steve McQueen, right? Oh yes. Right? Didn't God. he call Steve McQueen a garbage man? <laughs> and people are surprised this man is gay. That type of behavior only says gay mess. Like, listen, there are gay Republicans who are who are awful in a non George Santos kind of way, and uh, but some of them are 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 gay messes. And and there we have Armand White. Okay, we got it. We got Santos who lives life as if he was a Rocky and Bullwinkle villain. That whole thing, I swear to God, people... No, we can't do it. We can't do it. I can't allow myself to get dragged into the tangent. I do think stealing the baby was actually funny. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, in a vacuum, that's a very... Like, I want to clip that. The not yet comment. Chris File saying, I do think stealing the baby was actually funny. 
This is the problem with George Santos. No, I'm going to do it. Fine. This is the problem with George Santos. Everything is the problem with George Santos. Everybody is half a click away from being like, work, you know, with George Santos. And I'm just like, no, stop it. That's fucking drag race brain. I don't think anybody takes him seriously enough that way. They don't take him seriously enough, but he need like, people are, are, I swear to God, he's going to be a guest judge on Drag Race in five years, and people are going to be fine with it, and it's going to be disgusting, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, we know what RuPaul's politics are. Uh, Joe, <laughs> no, we're talking you about keep, Brideshead You keep revisited. doing this. You keep, like, we're going, we're going further afield. You can't make me defend <laughs> RuPaul's politics. All right. Maybe All right. I'm the troll here. Maybe I'm the you one You are the troll here. here. I just can't no, I just can't help myself. Um Brideshead Revisited. Brideshead Revisited. I had we're never seen this, though I had known like gay friends who were really into this adaptation. This adaptation? Yes. Interesting. This was a movie that I saw in the theater. I saw it at the uh now departed Lincoln Plaza. Uh actually during my uh weird two thousand eight hiatus where I moved to the city stupidly quit my job without having another job, had to move back to Buffalo for a few months, and then moved back uh, again in the fall. So this was during that hiatus where I like came back to the city to like look at apartments. And I went and saw uh, Brideshead Revisited with former guest uh, Tara Ariano at the Lincoln Plaza. And then I don't remember anybody I know ever talking to me about this movie ever again. I had a group of gay college friends who all went to see this, and I couldn't go. This and they all movie, loved it. This movie is maybe my origin story for my Ben Wishaw infatuation. Like, I don't remember anything before having ever seen him in anything before i saw it's pre-cloud this. atlas at least which cloud atlas i'm sure is just like you know again yeah by cloud atlas i was already in of hugh jackman being ascended into the heavens once we get past the plot description and whatever we'll do the we'll do the ben wishaw deep dive because i want to do that and we'll do a little matthew good deep dive i think too because um, matthew good is so interesting matthew good is so good um wow but like a but wow an odd per- shut up but an odd career, like uh, with some yeah, yeah, pretty, yeah. especially right around this time, because he is just about to take a tumble, like career wise. He's about to reach for that brass ring and Stella uh, was miss. about to take a tumble. Yeah. Um. So we'll get into all of that. But yeah, this was definitely almost certainly the first thing I ever saw Ben Wishaw in and willowy, wispy English. Uh, you know, it's all. Well, we'll get into Bright Star. Wild to see Felicity Jones play basically younger sister. I mean, has she stopped playing younger sister in her career? I mean, even as RBG, she's so. like, she's like, what if RBG was your little sister? <laughs> she's like, <laughs> yeah, you know? but she like they basically put her in pigtails in this. Well, she's little. She's a little. She's 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 a small thing. She's. It's only 2008. I mean, but everybody else looks essentially like they do today. Well, she does too. That's the thing. She just looks like, I don't know. That's my thing. I don't know. I think the Felicity Jones. Yes, but then when she's basically given the veneer of pigtails, it's very strange. So, okay, so what you're saying is 
because Felicity Jones looks exactly the same then as now, you're like, oh, this is weird. This is looking like a 30-year-old woman in pigtails. And I'm saying, oh, because Felicity Jones looks exactly the same then as now, I'm like, oh, isn't it interesting? She's like a 13-year-old playing Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> so I think we come at it from like opposite A movie end. we should do at some point. We um, absolutely should do, even well, though it stars Army Hannibal Lecter himself. Um we can't avoid I'm sorry, we can't avoid No, all we've the never tried to avoid anybody for that reason either. But, you know, if you've seen that movie, there's not really anything to talk about there with that performance anyway. Yeah, we like, can talk about other things. There's other things to talk about with that movie. Um, this movie, however, I yes. quite enjoyed. Interesting. I liked it less this time than I did the first time. But the things that I enjoyed are exact, like the most are the exact same things that I enjoyed the last time. I think it has some structural issues because by the time the romance between Haley Atwell and Matthew Good comes to fruition, it's like, oh, we've got like another 45 uh-huh. minutes left in this thing. This is kind of a lurching. And we've just left behind the character that I care most about. So Right. Like, at this point, we didn't think that that romance would be a thing. But now it's like, okay, we got to go with it. Um, That, I think, structurally is a problem for this movie. But overall, I think it's a good movie. It's also interesting that we're dealing with a director who did not really make any movies after this. Like, basically sort of went to television. What an interesting run of movies, too. Well facts like the real potential to be like a banner this had oscar buzz director the julian gerald of it all yeah i well i wonder if have we lost that maybe this is a bigger question that we should have had more time to prepare for um also god what a what a uh, oh my reading julian gerald's the wikipedia biography the very first sent the very first clause in the first sentence says a scion of the huguenot family which founded gerald's of norwich like I guess they found the right guy to direct the Brideshead Revisited movie. I mean, like, ponzi little look at Emerald Fennell's lineage. Like, there, well, there, there are parallels. Go. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, his his uh, filmography leading up to this was uh, Becoming Jane, Kinky Boots, Becoming Jane. Are those the only two features? And then this? There's also, he directed the HBO TV movie The Girl, which is the right after this, yes. yeah, the Tippy Hedren uh, Hitchcock movie that is um, Sienna Miller and Toby Jones. Sienna Miller and Toby Jones, which is the um, not Hitchcock Hitchcock movie that like nobody really talked about this, probably because it's like it was a TV it was the movie. same year as Hitchcock, and this is the TV version of it. Yeah, yeah but yeah. even yeah. like by HBO standards, usually. HBO doesn't do a ton of just like HBO movies anymore, but right. like those used to get attention. Oh, it, my favorite little rabbit hole is to tumble down the 1990s nom- Emmy nominees for best TV movie and see all the HBO nominees from around that time. And it was like, I remember seeing ads for all of these people were like remember the time when like they let james woods play roy Cohn for an entire movie sure like remember did. i mean cast a republican as a republican i mean go for it uh, um julian gerald also uh directed this movie that came out a few years ago uh in 2015 called a royal night out that was suddenly just 
You heard absolutely nothing about it, but then it was in this wide release. It was Sarah Gavin and Bell Howley as like young debutantes, or, or no, they're Princess they're Elizabeth, Elizabeth and Margaret. And Margaret. Yeah. Yes, yeah. See, it's just like you look at the poster and you're just like British right, aristocracy, man. which correct, but like very specific oh. uh, British aristocracy. Um, thick-butted, uh, cute actor Jack Rayner is in that movie as well, so. Well. Didn't You can't, it. you can't give me that look for making that statement. You're the person no, who's I'm always making, mentioning I'm making that look for this has. movie. I'm not right. making that look for the statement. Like, you know right. how I, uh, how I was, uh, uh, Leave taken me off hanging guard on the vine and there. bewitched and, uh, uh, all of that when seeing Midsommar. All right. Anyway. Um, we should maybe talk about the, the Patreon before we move on. Yeah, would you like to tell the listeners, uh, about Turbulent Brilliance? Sure, would you like to remind me where this, when this episode comes out? <laughs> it comes out at the end of November. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. we don't have December locked yet for what we're okay. doing. Because we're okay. recording a month and a half's worth of episodes in, like, two weeks, so... Okay, so our next two episodes will have been uh, out by now. That's fun. So, uh, this had Oscar Buzz Turbulent Brilliance is what we're calling our Patreon, and for $5 a month, you can join up, too, and you'll get two bonus episodes per month, plus we have now started uh, uh, responding to your voicemails. Chris, do... No, don't... no Join the Patreon, and then you'll get the number for the voicemails. We tried to do this last time, and we forgot the whole point of... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> why would you want to call in if you can't number. listen you gotta subscribe you gotta subscribe man so um yeah five dollars a month you get two bonus episodes per month plus we'll be answering uh, uh patron voicemails uh one of those two episodes is going to be an exceptions episode where we will cover a movie that we would normally have wanted to do for flagship this had oscar buzz but it got a got a nomination or maybe a couple of them uh we've covered movies like nine and pleasantville the listener's choice uh, was uh, the Lovely Bones. Thank you, thank you, patrons, for uh, for making us talk about the Lovely Bones. We had our good friend Katie Rich on to talk about Australia, which was so much fun. Um, the second bonus episode of every month is an excursion. We're calling these excursions, which are sort of off format episodes about uh, the Ractus Roundtable of a certain year. We recapped the 1996 MTV Movie Awards very recently, and that was so much fun. Um, uh, Chris talked about Magic Mike Live. We'll be doing things like uh, Entertainment Weekly Fall Preview uh, recaps. We'll be talking about uh, the current awards race at some point. And... Yeah, it's all good stuff. It's all that bonus, that sweet, sweet bonus content that uh, that you're craving, all for only five dollars a month. I think it's a bargain, but you know, I'm uh, I'm biased in this situation. But anyway, if you want to sign up for this, head Oscar Buzz Turbulent Brilliance. You can go to our Patreon page, Patreon page at Patreon.com/slash This Had Oscar Buzz. Um, we would love to have you join us. We were having the best time over there and it's just an excuse for us to to get even sillier which more is more of the show you already love more of the show you already love exactly exactly so uh, we hope to see you over there uh meanwhile more of the family you already love happy hey. good fucking working his way through the entire family and well, uh having a romance with all of them sort of like 
just he's gonna go hunting with the other brother like next week he does go hunting with the other brother and also like he like there's a world in which a saucier version of brideshead revisited has him having a tryst with the father probably like the father's a little gay uh, and the only one, where not you turning this into, I can't, I can't say that. What? Mike. What? What? Not you turning this into a certain a gay pornography website that <laughs> specializes in inappropriate things that has become a running joke. Among What's people. inappropriate about that? He's not related. He's not married to any one of his children. So it's true. It's true. Um, these are just two bisexual atheists who want to have a good time in venice what's what's your fucking problem man that's what bisexual atheists do they exactly. just have a good time in venice Skocki's gonna go shopping on the palazzo or whatever and you know have at it bisexual athe- atheist gary's please send us your pictures from venice <laughs> yeah if you are a bisexual gary you are now obligated to take a trip to venice and and uh, be an you also have to be an atheist yeah, 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 yeah. Give up your religion, go to Venice, get back to us, and uh, and we'll talk. Um, yeah, I, 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 what talking about Matthew Good sort of like it maybe gives him a little bit more agency that I think he deserves. There's a good bit of Charles Ryder kind of just like bouncing around where fate kind of you know I I would love him to take a little bit more agency in this where he just sort of like. There is a point where Emma Thompson's character is like, are you trying to, like, fuck up this family? Or are you just, like, (laughs) being nice? And, like, she's mostly awful, but, like, she's got him dead to rights on that one. But she does initially go with his presence there. Like, there is something about her character that is, like, the incredibly wealthy are just absolutely fine with freeloaders. Like, they just, like, Oh, and that's, like, the plot of Saltburn, actually. Like, that's where, like, Saltburn, like, really kind of zeroes in. Is, oh, fabulous. Because the Rosamund Pike is essentially the Emma Thompson uh, in right, uh, right. Saltburn. And, and she's, cool. like, she's, like, stay forever. Like, <laughs> we're having... And she still sort of, like, collects freeloaders along the way. And, um, yeah, it's... Saltburn's fun. I will say, it's not... It isn't great, but it it is a good time. When I saw um, people comparing it to like cruel intentions as a vibe i was the one who could compared it to cruel Intentions. i've seen other people do it too i was like oh oh that's great that's great i don't need this to be a a movie in a world where we made movies like cruel intentions saltburn would fit right in perfectly saltburn would be like an mtv movie you know what i mean great I'm yes. fine with that. Yes. That has a lower ceiling for me yes. that I yes. need it to hit, and then I'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, Emma Thompson in this movie, though, definitely. I mean, any any type of you know She's terrifying. This type of Brit, especially British costume drama, is always going to you know have some type of Oscar potential, you know, and, like, expected long legs. The movie ultimately kind of didn't. I think it's because of that thing, like, you were surprised I I liked this movie. Uh, I think people are pretty mild on this movie, so that kind of put a damper on it. It was not hated, but it was, like, mild is exactly the right word for it. Everybody was like, okay, all right. There's just all... There are a few performers who they show up in a movie and it 
basically automatically qualifies them for Oscar buzz, and Emma Thompson is absolutely <laughs> one of them. Yeah. It's weird because, like, not all of those performers are the same type of performer or in the same type of movies sure. or play the same type of roles, but it's like an Emma Thompson, a Nicole Kidman, a Russell Crowe. Yes. People yeah. go in and out of those, but I would say Emma Thompson has been in that place for a while. Because even something yeah. like Late Night had Oscar buzz before it ultimately right. bombed in theaters. Well, Emma Thompson hasn't been nominated since Sense and Sensibility? Is that right? Ooh, let me double check, check that. There. I don't think that's true, but that does strike a bit of fear in my brain that it is, because if that yeah. is true, we got to get on this. This is what I mean, though, and I feel like that's happen. why, like, because Saving Mr. Banks is the closest she's come to getting nominated yeah. since then. Quite possibly but I don't... sixth place. Oh, I think very probably sixth place, I think, in 2013? 2013, right? Ooh? Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yes. Um, but I think... Oh my god, you're right. I'm right, right? Nothing since since Sense and Sensibility. Almost 30 fucking years. This is like, remember in 2019 when all the nominees and supporting actor were like, hadn't been nominated in forever, where it was like Hanks and Pacino and Pesci and... Anthony Hopkins and even Brad Pitt hadn't been nominated since Moneyball, so it had been like a decade. Years. But like, where like you didn't realize that like, oh my god, Anthony Hopkins hasn't been nominated since uh, uh, Amistad, which was like 1997. So it had been 20 plus years. It had been 20 plus years for Hanks since. Uh, not 20 plus, it had almost 20 years for Hank since Castaway. You know what I mean? Like, uh, Pesci, everybody was like, yeah, like, Pesci hasn't been nominated forever. But, like, all, all these other people, you don't realize how much time has passed. For us, I think people our age especially, I think the biggest, the craziest thing is, like, realizing just how long it's been since the late 90s. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> when, like, the late 90s used to, used to feel contemporary, and it's like, bro, it's been 20 years. You know what I mean? It's been yeah, 25 yeah. years for a lot of these things. And every time that it comes up in my brain, I have the moment of, like, I can walk into Lacuna or I can keep going down the street where I'm like, okay, I can immediately em erase this from my brain so that I yeah. don't have to think about it until it comes back. Or I can yeah. just go walk into the sea. Right. <laughs> right. Well, it's like, I mean, the easiest way to get an internet meme is being like, do you know it's been the same number of years between X and this as like X and like this horrible thing that feels like it was ancient history? Like, uh, Emma Thompson. So let's play the game with Sense and Sensibility. Sense and Sensibility was, oh, was 1995. Five. So that's 10, 23. 28 years, right? Sure. So the same amount of time that has passed between Sense and Sensibility and now was the same amount of time you go back... 86, 76. is like the moon landing. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, more or less. You know what I mean? Like, give or sure. take a few years. Sure. It's that same amount of time from, like, from Sense and Sensibility back to the moon landing. That is fucking... And I know it's like 
it's an easy meme to do, but it gets me every single time where I'm just like, oh god, yeah. like what in the world? Meanwhile, Emma Thompson's Oscar wins are my moon landing. That culturally significant. Um, sure, sure. Um, she did the first roundtable this year, which is like not even like a roundtable. It's like I I gotta go back and try to find these clips again. But how many were there? It this felt year? more like junkity. Sure. Then I bet. I bet. Listen, things have humble beginnings. Yes, quite. Uh, she is also in the same round table for Last Chance Harvey is this year, a movie I have tried to get us to do, and you're like, eh. And I was like, oh, you've probably seen it and don't like it. It's not that I've I don't like it. it. It's I've seen it and don't really have too many thoughts on it. And so I'm like, what will I even say? That's, but like, that's fair. That's fair. I'm and happy mostly, to do it. It's a movie I push because I'm like, I should watch this movie. Let's. If yeah. you want to do that, I will. Here's what I will say. What this, we should talk about this off, Mike. We should have a little summit where we come to each other with the movies that one of us wants to do and the other one kind of doesn't, and we should like barter and do like you know, <laughs> and we should have a barter system of like I will give you Last Chance Harvey if you give me something that I keep trying to push, and every time you're like, eh, or, or maybe not. So or let's let's think. We about could that. just continue doing movies that we mutually agree upon. What even if, we, if it's in a fleeting moment that we're just like, sure, we'll do that this week? Or what if we do that for a Patreon episode? Like the great this had Oscar buzz barter episode where it's oh, just like <laughs> you know what I mean where we just talk it out where we just talk out our uh, our different would that be interesting opinion. for listeners I don't know I don't I mean get at us listen if you're a patron uh, uh, comment on uh, uh, comment at us or, or tweet at us let us know or if you are not a patron think, and that would tip the scales for I don't you, always think behind the scenes know. stuff is interesting to talk about or much less interesting to probably listen we to. don't think so but sometimes sometimes it is I don't know I would listen yeah. to I think about my other podcast that I listen to uh, the rest the ones... of the actresses in this roundtable. Yes. Michelle Williams is there for Wendy and Lucy. For Wendy and Lucy. In Synecdoche, New York. I did a sure. marathon session of Spears Williams last night, and we can't get into it. Um, I love that this project for you is Spears Williams, as if it's Fosse Verdon. Like, it's it's your... Or Frost Nixon. It's... Or Frost Nixon. <laughs> It's a dialogue across the decades between Britney Spears we and We can't Michelle get Williams. into it. If I was one of those Substack people, I would have already had 3,000 words on this. Like, I, I can't, we can't do it. Um, File magazine on Michelle Williams doing the Britney audiobook. <laughs> uh, Taraji P. Henson for The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, Sally Hawkins for Happy Go Lucky, and yeah. Amy Adams for Doubt. Oh, never not there. Um, I think good she that... enjoys time with her peers. I think she does process. too. Yeah. She's also in that Kate Blanchett realm where it's just like I think you're kind of mean. You know what I mean? Like in a in a in a deserved way, right? In a way that like they are allowed to be. But like I think you're probably kind of mean a little bit. You a think little... Amy's mean? No, Emma oh no i mean you don't think so you can't imagine emma thompson with the cameras off being like god i don't think so she's done like podcasts like guest spots on podcasts where she just like invites people over to her home to record it so that she can have a glass of wine like i don't think that she i think that she is a big josher and a roaster but i don't think she's mean Okay. 
Well, I'm right about she Kate is actress right. Bianca Del Rio. She is like of the actress <laughs> set. She is Bianca Del Rio. She can get a really yeah. good like rib yeah. in there, but I think but it's also at root good hearted person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's true. All right, we should get into the plot description. We should. We are over a half hour into this and have not. And we started late. We're going we to get, like, literary listeners that think yeah. that we are just two annoying homosexuals. Us? Barking Us? things, to which I say you are correct. Yeah, um, sorry sorry to the Evelyn Waugh Society tuning into this and being uh, disappointed. And uh, I also love that, like, I will, I will, I refuse to pronounce Evelyn Waugh as, as the American flat... Uh, Sofia Coppola taught us how it was pronounced. Evelyn, you can't do Evelyn. It's a joke in that movie. In which movie? Lost in Translation. Anna Faris shows up and she is pretending to be Cameron Diaz, and she's like, "Oh, I'm in the same. I'm in this hotel too. Just look me up. I'm under Evelyn Waugh." Yeah, and she like walks away, and Scarlett Johansson's like trying not to laugh to herself. She's like, "Evelyn Waugh's a man." Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. What a great scene in cinema. Talk about like great scenes in cinema. Uh, Sofia Coppola roasting the fuck out of Cameron Diaz in Lost in Translation in the <laughs> she person should do of it Anna again. Ferris. If she has done it and we just aren't culturally realizing it, Sofia, yeah. come out with it. Like, tell us roast- who you're roasting. Or yeah. just roast someone else again. And All right. to be clear, we love Cameron Diaz. But oh, like, sometimes people that listen, we love, we love to see Chris- them roasted too. The gay experience is getting enjoyment out of one person you like roasting another person you like. <laughs> like sometimes <laughs> you could just enjoy that and that's fine. Um Emma Thompson like never stops roasting Meryl Streep. That's and true. Like and we love friends. it. And we love it. Debbie Reynolds savages Meryl in that uh, Larry King interview <laughs> and yet we love them both. Come on. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Listeners, we are here talking about Brideshead Revisited, directed yes. by Julian Gerald, written by Jeremy Bach and Andrew Davies, based on Evelyn Waugh's novel. Motion picture stars Matthew Good, Ben Wishaw, Haley Atwell, Emma Thompson, Michael Gambon, the recently departed Michael Gambon, rest in peace, Greg yeah. Scotchy, and Felicity Jones. Had an opening, uh, a limited opening at the end of July 2008. Eight, Mr. Joseph Reed, are you prepared yes. to give a 60-second plot description? Yes, it's going to go long, but yes. All right, well, uh, then your 60-second plot description of Brideshead Revisited starts now. Charles Ryder is a middle-class Oxford student who meets Sebastian Flight, a f- rich fancy boy whose friends are all capital F slurs. And Charles is a capital H hottie, so Sebastian invites Charles to come to his summer home at Brideshead, the family estate. Charles meets Sebastian's pretty but mean sister Julia and his mother, Lady Marchmain, whose entire personality is her pitiless ca- Catholicism. Charles is an atheist, he'll have you know, and Lady Marchmain is like, you're poor and an atheist? Pick a struggle. And Sebastian is clearly in love with Charles and kisses him once, and Charles is just bisexual enough that we and Sebastian hope this might go somewhere. And then the three young hotties travel to Venice to visit Sebastian and Julia's father, who hates religion and is also kind of gay in temperament. So Charles is like, I like this guy. And then Charles does the worst thing in the world and kisses Julia, at which point the movie sets Sebastian off to go die of alcoholism in Morocco or whatever. And while we excruciatingly pretend to care whether Charles and Julia can make it work despite her society, marriage, and Catholic guilt, four years later, Lady Marchman is dying and needs Charles to go track down Sebastian for her, which he does. But Sebastian is too ill to return and he also doesn't want to. And then Charles and Julia have a chance meeting, by which point her mother is dead and they hook up and dish their spouse 
spouses, and Charles barters with her husband for Julia's freedom, and then Julia's father returns home to Brideshead dying, and Charles is like, good for you for never going back to religion, but oops, the dad makes a deathbed conversion at the last possible second, just in case God is real, and Charles is bummed, and Julia, who has been indoctrinated by her mother about religion, decides she's going to give Charles up in order to appease God or some such, and then it's World War II, and Brideshead is a munitions depot or whatever, and Charles is like, nice castle I almost had, and leaves the candle in the chapel burning for a little bit longer, metaphor, metaphor, the end. Almost 30 seconds over. Yeah, it's I'm, fine. I'm glad that you helped clarify the Matthew Good character, uh, Charles, as uh, in uh, something that I think is a trope that I love, uh, where it's movie where character is just bisexual enough. Yes, just bisexual enough is is a good category. Yes, yeah. yes, because yep. there are there are many many literary uh, examples. There's many cinematic examples. I'm sure there's yes. song examples. Yes. Taylor Swift's Betty, <laughs> for example. Yeah, but usually those characters I end up getting really mad at by the end because they're just bisexual enough that it's like, well, obviously Sebastian's going to fall in love with you. He's not wrong to do so. You're kind of throwing out some signals here. And then it's just like, no, I'm going to go pursue your sister. And that's going to be the rest of the movie. And I'm like, what the fuck here? Like, pretty little wispy boy, like, has feelings. And now he's got to go off to Morocco and, like, stew in his fluid-filled lungs for the rest of his life or whatever. And it's like... Sad. What, what I sad. will say is a minor frustration because I'm sure it's not quite this way when you're reading it on the page, you know, in the book. But in the movie, I do actually buy Matthew Good's like connection towards Ben Wishaw, and then I do oh, actually same. buy his connection to mm. Haley Atwell. Less so. I I. I not necessarily. I think maybe that's the difference between. I'm just like, oh, we we have a whole like act to this story left when I thought it was winding down. Right. More so that than I don't buy their connection, and I think ultimately that's a little bit of a problem for the movie because when it's like, oh, he when he is ultimately implicated by the end of the story, where it's just like you are just trying to latch on to this wealthy family you know maybe you don't have this romance with two siblings i also okay so i understand that reading the novel and even watching the 1981 miniseries which we should talk about because people really liked that back then um i would probably have a much more rich understanding of it in in a movie form even at two hours and 14 minutes of movie it still feels like a kind of a cheap plot machination where she overhears them making the deal. And she almost does the like, I'm a bet. I'm a fucking bet by the end where she's just like, you're or the whatever, or the like the penny lane, like she sold you for two cases of Heineken where she's like, I guess all I was worth was like two paintings or whatever. And it's like, Lady, he just, like, got you out of your awful marriage that you desperately needed to get out to, to get out of, and he, like, just gave up, you know, shit of his to do it. Like, what is the actual problem here? First of all, Reese Witherspoon belongs in the pantheon of great uses of the fuck in cinema. For what? that. No, I'm talking about She's All That. Oh, right, that's She's All That. Never mind. Yeah. But, like... 
it also is true of Reese Witherspoon and that like you just pointed out maybe a trope that I had never really thought of as like tropey yeah. unless yeah. you're literally doing Pygmalion or yeah. Dangerous Liaisons. The Cruel Intentions thing, where she's yeah. just like, I can't believe. And like, in that one, at least, it does sort of show Ryan Phillippe in that movie to be like, a, like, sociopath a little bit, you know what I mean? Whereas Rachel like, at Lee least Cook, in this one, it's just like... for uh, miscrediting you to Reese Witherspoon. I know, I know. Um, but like, this whole thing is like, you you knew what he was doing in that little meeting with your husband, like... Also, like, you're the one with the marriage that needed to get, like, weaseled out of. So, what the fuck is the problem? (laughs) It's not like I... And I don't particularly care if these two end up together. So, it's not like I'm, like, you know, mad on that end. But but because I don't... For whatever reason, watching the movie, I'm just like, that just feels like a convenient... Maybe it's because I'm not steeped enough in a novel where the novel, from what I understand, really lets the like the religious aspect of this movie really sink in and ultimately like this catholicism that her mother passed down to her and like pressed on her and eventually it like seeped into her pores and ultimately this catholic guilt with you know she's the last essentially the last one remaining of her family assuming that like well bridey but who gives a fuck about bridey but like her parents are dead you know what i mean and she has this like family legacy to live up to and now all of this catholic guilt is pressing down on her and she's like i guess i have to like come up with a reason why charles and i can't be together i get all of that in the movie, it just feels a little bit thinner as a motivation. So I'm like, well, this feels flimsy. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Sure. The and religious like, like zealotry the of this yeah. was also something I maybe wasn't prepared for, not knowing enough about the source material. In yeah. that, like, Emma Thompson, whether, I mean, like, she's playing this so, like, she, to like max juicy potential yeah but i did kind of laugh at some of the religious zealotry you will absolutely catch me trying to cut the video footage of her saying something to the extent are you saying you would deny christ and i will use that against anybody who says like (laughs) beyonce isn't good enough for something bring that into the uh the the screen drafts when we do scorsese when anybody decides to slight (laughs) Last Temptation. <laughs> yeah, when you, uh, if you draft uh, Last Temptation of Christ at number... Uh, Too low, yeah. Like 29. 19 or something, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Put down those... What, are, what, what, what could you be putting down in, in Brideshead Revisited, Chris? Parasols. Put down those parasols and... Uh, and rich, rich bisexual ennui and... Um, uh, let's d- dive into the uh, the Vulture Movie Fantasy League for another week, our beloved Garys. Um, we are speaking to you from the depths of Thanksgiving weekend and the five-day box office holiday that once used to be chock-a-block with lucrative titles, your Harry Potterses, your James Bondses. Um, Frozen, you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. many big Thanksgiving weekend movies. And now, it is, I know everybody's sort of like dancing their little jigs about Disney taking it on the chin yet again, but like, at some point, something's gonna have to start making big money at these weekends, or else like, nothing's gonna get elevated. It's, 
it is kind of a bummer. I don't know how you feel, but like... It is interesting that Hunger Games is the de facto yes. winner here because like it's yes. a tired franchise too. Yes. <laughs> like it's a dead franchise and everybody's it's like a tired oh, look franchise at Games doing well. But the, the expectations on it were lower and it sure. doesn't have this like well it's Disney like nobody cares about Lionsgate, you know, taking I, a hit at the box. I do office. however want to say round of applause for Ridley Scott and Napoleon because like Napoleon seems like it's a genuine hit which I don't think people would have necessarily expected, you know. But a genuine hit that makes like 32 million over a 5-day weekend is like good. Good for that movie relative to what it is, relative to and the fact that it's like a 3-hour long movie that is like taking up chunks of time in the and multiplex. And I feel and like people kind of just roll their eyes. I mean, it's got to be the Joaquin factor, right? Post Joker, etc. Maybe he is a bona fide movie star now. Maybe this is the kind of action that people are looking for these days, like that would be fine. Maybe um, it's also the choice that everyone's making that makes the whole family happy, you know? Sure. The, the I just still feel like those kind of numbers maybe. aren't going to keep movie theaters from closing. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. And that does bum me out. Like, for as much as we all hate on Marvel, like, those movies making that much money was at least making money for the the movie series. It was not healthy in the long term, as we are about to find out, and we are about to reap the rewards from that, but... <sighs> whatever this is not to d- 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 i don't want to bump people out people if you drafted napoleon good for you you're all this get to say points. if you were strategizing your vulture movies fantasy league uh game around box office points by and large things continue to get unless worse. you got five nights at freddy's or taylor swift like there are like there are there are bright spots. I guess November has been less bullish than October, which is a little, you know, odd. But all right. Yes, that is that is true. Um, the horrors persist, but so do we. I do think that there are some box office points to be had still to come in December. I think The Color Purple is about to do really well. Wonka, Wonka. Uh, well, we'll Wonka. see how Wonka goes. Wonka. Wonka's tw- tracking around like 25, which like you would think they Wonka. would want to be tracking Wonka. double that. Um, I will say though, we have we can't I there's embargoes at play here, so we can't say, but we've heard some positive things from at least one person. And I think I've heard from like two people. So Oh, well, how lovely. <laughs> I'm going to be dancing a little jig when that movie does well. Um, otherwise, Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes is about to hit the $100 million threshold. So if you drafted that, you're going to get some bonus points. Um, uh, Trolls Band Together crossed the $50 million threshold. So if you drafted that movie, you're going to get points off of that. Um, Trolls, the ballad of Anna and Justin. <laughs> God, um, that's stars in those movies, right? Anna Kendrick and Justin yeah, Timberlake. Yes, that's there absolutely true. Um, Saltburn hits a nice little three million, which is I probably was, I definitely was too optimistic um, about that drawing in. Um, curious eyeballs. Gen Z once again lets me down, being both afraid of sex and refusing to go see movies in theaters. I will say, when I saw Saltburn, I was. Very easily the second oldest person in the theater. It yeah. was me That's not a good and sign then for a 70-year-old 
guy by himself. That's not the audience that Saltburn was going for. And and the funny thing was, like, I think I was the only person who was laughing at certain parts of that movie, so I don't know if my audience dug it, but, like... They fell asleep. Um, No, the young people. I'm saying the young people. You said... Oh, you were the oldest. Oh, yes. I was the second Oh, I thought oldest. you said the youngest. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Me, oh, so there were young people. a 70-year-old guy by himself. Oh, I see. Okay. And then a bunch of young people. Well, then that is good. I'm sorry. I, I heard you wrong. Good for young people. Few that they are. No, of course they don't find that stuff They uh, uh, funny. They haven't developed a sense of humor yet. They, you know, they're figuring it out. <laughs> um, fucking young people. Um, okay. Holdovers and Priscilla still making good, you know, small small release box office i'm happy for that i'm happy for sofia coppola though have we recorded since i saw priscilla Priscilla, finally yeah you don't like it i I don't like it i understand people not liking it i don't understand you saying jacob lordy is bad in it because like that's i don't know actually untrue i don't know if he's bad i just feel like i think he's very good i feel like he's not good but i'm not gonna go so far as to say that he's bad i just feel like i don't know maybe the barrier for entry was low for him and to be elvis and i don't know i <laughs> so it's all of us who have a problem and not you who <laughs> might not like jacob alordi for reasons no, i just have a problem with it okay they, okay my thing about i don't know it feels like a movie by someone who likes Sofia Coppola movies. Not yeah, I saw that on your, on your letterbox. Dialogue is not her strong suit. Sure, I would agree with that. I think, but I liked. I thought it looked beautiful. I thought it looked interesting, and I thought, like, yes, this is yet another movie. This is like Priscilla Presley gets the Sofia Coppola treatment, and like we fully moved into that stage of like filmmaking right where it's just like what if some movie was told by a Sofia Coppola perspective but I think this is a good story to tell from that perspective and I I wish it was more told from that perspective it felt really um what's the word intervened with um, Do you think it was? I don't know if it was. I think Sofia's free to just sort of make these movies. Priscilla Presley was very close to that production. Well yeah that's true. Which, like, I guess there's nothing wrong with it. It's just that's not the movie I want Sofia Coppola making. Yeah. Um, Fair I enough. I wanted it to be more Marie Antoinette. And, like, when everybody was comparing it to Marie Antoinette, I'm like, mm, that's not what this movie is. It, that's not what it, that movie reminded me of. I don't know what it reminded me of. There are parts of it that reminded me a little bit of Somewhere. There are parts of it that reminded me of Lost in Translation. Um, I don't know. I certainly, it, for me... And maybe I'm coming at this from not having liked the last couple of her movies. Like, I was glad I liked it better than On the Rocks. I was glad I liked it better than The Beguiled. So I'm so glad um, that we can largely have, like, every great filmmaker needs a, like, safely worst of their filmography. And this is safely Sofia Coppola's worst movie. Oh, we disagree. We disagree but, for sure. Uh, yeah. I'm glad that uh, On the Rocks can hopefully get some credit because I like that movie. And I like Sofia Coppola's version of, like, a screwball comedy. Um, I just, I, uh, that movie was a fast fade from me. And the parts that I we'll do save, remember, We'll save it for cringe. whenever we do On the Rocks. Yeah, that's um, true. Good point. All right, so... Instead of now looking at the box office, let's look ahead a little bit on what is to come because we well, have now where you can get your points soon. 
We are about to enter the precursor blitz of points for December. Uh, I'm very excited. Uh, As you are listening to this, most likely the Gotham Awards winners have been announced. Chris, are you willing to go out on a limb and say who's going to pick up the most points off of uh off of monday night's awards uh, i think the past lives people the people that have past lives on their team mm-hmm. are going to be very happy i think they'll be happy also when the indie spirit nominations come out we'll get to indie spirits do you think that ryan gosling is going to win best supporting performance because he sticks out like a sore thumb in that category <laughs> no it's Who hard think to is... predict those performance categories, you yes, know, when they have 10 people. I'm very but... interested to see if they're willing to make a statement on behalf of someone like Rachel McAdams or Juliette Binoche in The Taste of Things, maybe. Like, I, I, I liked this performance a lot, but I worry they're going to pick Glenn Howerton for Blackberry as a way of, like, making a statement. Have you seen The um, Taste of Things? No, yeah. I'm going to wait till I'm in New York. I okay, want to see we'll, it in a We'll have a theater. conversation when, when you have it. I think it's... Are you down on the taste about, of But things? I think it's Chris. stupid that she is being pushed and supporting. But. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Um, I do think in lead performance, there is a chance that Tiana Taylor does win for a thousand. God, I would be so happy. I would be so happy. We we are uh, stumping for Tiana Taylor podcast. Everybody I still haven't seen, seen the movie. I can't yet. stump until I've seen it, but like Oh, okay. Well, I I fully I fully see that why territory won't you to you. Listen to your friend. Listen to me. Go watch it. It's movie. not like I'm not going know, to see it. It's on a I'm, giant list of movies I need to see. Yeah. Um I mean, if I was going to pick for those supporting categories yeah. who I think is going to win. Yeah. I would maybe guess Davine Joy Randolph and hmm, who am I going to say of this lead lineup? Actually, no, I'm going to say Greta Lee. Okay. I'm going to predict Tiana Taylor and Glenn Howerton, and we'll see how it goes. All right. All right. Um, after the Gothams, then in short order, only a few days later, uh, New York Film Critics Circle will announce their winners on Thursday the 30th. They are announcing their fil- their winners in November because at some point, all of these winners will be announced in June. On a long enough timeline, we will just have award season begin earlier and earlier, and all the critics will see all of the movies by the end of the summer. And um, anyway, New York Film Critics Circle uh, announces on the thirtieth. And where do you ex- where do you think where's where do you have a hunch that we might see some surprise points from the New York Film Critics? New York Film Critics, yeah, they do tend to, to like yeah, they do tend to like put their chips behind something that is worthy of a little bit of a of a push. I'm not sure. I haven't thought too hard about that. Like, where's the underground support? What do you think? I wonder if Franz Rogowski could show up. <laughs> I would you are, be very that happy. is wishful thinking. But I do know, I mean, I think that there's support for Passages there. I mean, Passages is going to show. I feel like that movie would require a lot more. (laughs) I think that would require a lot more queer support than the New York Film Critics Circle is capable of mustering up at this point. But we'll see. I would love to see them get behind May, December in a really big way. I would love one of these critics. I think so, too. I think a May, December Best Picture win for any of these precursors would be great. Best movie of the year. Might as well say it. I think Charles Melton is winning at least one Critics Award for Best Supporting Actor, maybe two. A significant one, too. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, like from like the big Branson four film critics association. Right. No, Why of do I like go to Branson, New York, <laughs> New York, Los Angeles, um, uh, National Board of Review, National Society. One of those four, he will win. One of those four, if not two. Um, I'm holding out hope that one of them gives it to Rachel McAdams for Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Although yeah. that would I'm... seem somewhat like a New York call. It does. It could. In and that, like, they tend to go for hard endorsement, at least for one of their acting prizes. Yeah. Or yeah. something that, like, was well-received, but then is sort of assumed to be out of the awards conversation for sort of specious reasons, which is which does apply to Rachel McAdams. Do you know what right. I mean? So, yeah, we'll see. Independent Spirit Awards, then, are Tuesday, December 5th. They announced their nominations. Um, I would expect something like Past Lives to do very well. I would expect... I mean, eligibility with them is always sort of the question, right? So... Eligibility um, is interesting. I was going to say they have three filmmakers, at least three this year, that they have consistently supported in at times when you maybe think they wouldn't have. And that's Kelly Reichardt. Yep. Todd Haynes. Yep. And, um... Iris Axe. Yes. I'm curious about Passages, if they're going to consider that a non-American production. Right. Um, But I do think that there is a potential for showing up to be among the nominees somewhere significantly. Yeah. um, In a way that would be wonderful for the people who drafted it for, I believe, low points. If anyone's going to nominate Hong Chao for Supporting Actress and showing up, it'll be Independent Spirit Awards. And I'm... I, I'm not expecting it, but more and more, I'm like, I really liked that supporting performance a lot. It's going to be very close to my probably going to be five. putting that performance on their ballot. My co-host, Chris File. One Christopher File. I'm going to come close to it. Um, I haven't really sat down with my ballot yet. I kind of have no idea what it looks like. Oh, I haven't really out. either. I just know that there's not a world that exists that that performance isn't on my ballot. National Board of Review uh, announces their winners on Wednesday, December 6th. Chris, what's going to be the weird movie to show up on their top 10? Ferrari. <laughs> Is that weird enough, though? I feel like that's even... I feel like they've gone weirder than that. I, I mean, it would be weird if Ferrari is, like, their Best Picture winner, but, like, that uh-huh. makes a total sense as a National Board of Review call. Um, I feel like it's going to be, like, something that was, like, big and, like, super flopped critically. Like, mm. do you know what I mean? Like, they tend to do that sometimes. Or, I don't know. Is there? There's not an Eastwood, so we can't, like, throw on their usual clean Eastwood No, but they do support Warner Brothers, so... Mm, there you go. I mean, yeah. wouldn't be surprised to see, uh, you know, something like Barbie do very well there. Oh, um, I could see Barbie winning NBR Best Picture. Uh, same, I mean, same with Searchlight, too. They could be going for poor things. Mm-hmm. Who knows? I hope that they go... I hope they make us look really foolish and go for something just, like, truly, truly... Very strange. Yes, uh, I'd love it. I'd love it. Um, Los Angeles film critics Tiana Taylor their breakthrough performance award. It's very possible. Uh, Los Angeles film critics are Sunday, uh, December tenth. They are traditionally on a Sunday. Then the next morning, Golden Globe awards are announced. Golden Globes are going to be on CBS this year, which um, is an odd fit in terms of. sensibility they tend to not really go for cbs shows in their tv awards so that's kind of <laughs> all of a sudden yellowstone is gonna start winning awards 
I mean, I wouldn't run past him. Um, Critics' Choice nominations are on Thursday, December 14th. And then, I'm so excited for this, We this is a new points category this year in the Fantasy League. We didn't do it last year. We should have. The Oscar shortlists are announced on December 21st, yeah. an early Christmas present for all of us. I'm very excited to see if Diane Warren's song from... Flamin' Hot. Flamin' Hot is on the shortlist. I really hope it is. Some, some I'm sure, insane songs will be on the shortlist. Um, it it can only be two Barbie songs, right? Three, provided that they don't all have the same songwriters. But then at the nomination stage, it can only be two. So what are the three going to be? Um, I think the three are obviously Ken, Dua Lipa, and Billie Eilish. Yeah, that seems that seems safe. That seems yep. like a safe bet. Um, and then that's, that'll take us right through to the holidays. One thing we announced in the newsletter that I want to say, uh, is the Writers Guild announced that their awards are not going to be until April. So we will not be awarding Writers Guild points this year because our end date has to be the Oscars. Otherwise, it's very anticlimactic. So, um, Sorry, WGA, nothing against you. We'll um, be going hard on the WGA awards after the Oscar <laughs> ceremony for a month and a half. Um, what if all the Oscar blogs did that? We're just like very intensely like, it's the only game in town. We're going to go really in on the WGA awards. I need a lot of things to not be w- WGA eligible this year. I need, I need, if those are going to be in April. I need them to be weird. I need yeah. them to be I yeah. need them to not go to Right. Oppenheimer and Barbie. Fair. That's fair. So we've been over on our Patreon and uh we're we're gonna be doing a full awards race catch up in a few yes. weeks yes. as the December excursion. So we haven't really answered questions like this, but we've been getting call ins asking us about the screenplay races and specifically Barbie. Yeah. Uh what it's what it's category placement is going to be do you have any thoughts on that really quickly in terms of adapted or original yes because they're they are submitting themselves for original i think that's right but we'll see i like i understand it used to be like the terminology of the category at one point was and i know it's no longer anymore for a reason but Best screenplay based on material previously published or produced. And, like, that does not apply to Barbie. And, like, Barbie's not a real person, but... It's not based on any type of Barbie book. However, I do think that this is a big, like, existential question for the But the degree to which Barbie is an original or adapted is the same as if you had done a biopic without basing it on a book. You know what I mean? That is just based on, like, biographical information. Do you know what I mean? I hear your argument. I'm not sure I agree with it. Why? Because it's still an intellectual property. An intellectual property is not a person, you know? like Right. But an intellectual property is also not a work of fiction in the same way that we define do you know what I mean? Right. I I see it being deemed adapted. At the end I could of it. oh I could definitely see it being because deemed it's adapted, such an existential like, question of like what IP is and what IP means that I just think the conservative industry approach will be to say that it's adapted 
And I think that's what's going to happen. I'm trying to think of like a good example to like counter you with of like Transformers. Would you say Transformers is an original screenplay? No, because Transformers is based on like a cartoon series that existed and had like lore and backstory and characters. You know what I mean? Where like Barbie isn't How different is Barbie from that? Like as a character, like I don't know. I don't know. It's like if anyway. you made it's like I don't know. Ugh. I'm not thinking of a good example. If you made a movie called Gummy Worms. And like gummy worms are an intellectual property that somebody came up with the idea for gummy worms. And of course, then you'd have to maybe credit the creators of gummy bears for coming up with the idea to make like an animated series Haribos. about gummy anything. I would watch a Haribo movie. Okay. Say. Do the creators of gummy bears, the cartoon show have to pay royalties to Haribos that <laughs> therein lies the answer to our Barbie question. Somebody who works at the Haribo's legal department, get back to us and uh, and let us know. Call right, in that's to our Patreon line. 100%. Uh, all this to say, the game is now real. It, the game is in Act Two. That's true. We have now moved into Act are Two. About to start happening. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we've had a time jump. Uh, what happens at the beginning of Act Two? Um, Certain characters aren't around anymore, and you're like, why aren't they here? What happened to them? <laughs> Have they possibly passed away? Um, the angel comes through the ceiling <laughs> and says, give back the book. Standard Act 2 things. All right. Yeah. Back to your regularly, speaking of the angel, back to your Emma Thompson discussion in uh, Rideshead Revisited. Go forth. <laughs> I, 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 I am going to send you to conversion therapy. <laughs> I, 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 I am a Catholic. Yeah. Okay. Um. Uh, goodbye. Also, not to, like, make it about me, but, like, having really? grown up Catholic, this is so outside of my experience of Catholicism. The, my favorite part of this movie is when they go to Italy and they meet um, Michael Gambon and then his new wife, Greta Scacchi, and she's talking to Charles and she's, like, talking about Emma Thompson and she's like, God, her version of Catholicism seems like such a bummer. She's like, here in Italy, we just sort of live our lives and then we go to confession and it's fine. And I sort of like, that's closer to my experience of Catholicism, not this sort of like heedless, like, you know, whatever, but like, yes, like the Pope says you can't use birth control. Most people used birth control. The Pope says you can't have sex before marriage, you know, that wasn't stopping anybody. The Pope says you can't get divorced. And the only person who, like, I remember in my life who still, like, held on to that was my grandfather. And even my grandfather was like, I'm not happy about it, but, you know, to my, like, you know, <laughs> whatever, like, aunts or uncles who got divorced were just like, well, nobody's happy about this, but, like, you know, whatever. And so this idea that, like, Catholicism specifically has such an iron grip on this family I'm sure it happens. It's just like it has to outside be, of my uh, experience. A, a, a British American divide here. Like maybe, yeah. it, maybe it's just like that's Catholicism there. Here it's evangelicalism that people are like. That's I don't and know. that and I think that's a. That's it's, a big we're thing. also talking about something that's almost a hundred years old. Well, and I also so think even shift. even you look at when this movie was made. This movie was made in two thousand eight, which. We still, we were just coming out of essentially 
like Reagan Bush, the eight-year Clinton respite, where also, though, Clinton's in the office, and the entire time he's being, like, besieged by the morality police and the religious right and whatever like that. Right. So, like, clearly, like, religious conservatism is such a big deal during the Clinton years. And then you have George W. Bush and, like, that sort of, like, false piousness of the right. We have just false endured... Christianity, et cetera. Right. Like, 25 years of all of that. And so I think at that point... That angle of like, well, religion claims another victim, you know what I mean? And also like where like queer people were at the time and like mm-hmm. queer people were being victimized by these laws that were, you know, uh, enacted by the religious right and all that. It's just sort of like this, this idea that this family would be under the yoke of devout religion probably felt more pertinent and that's why not to bring up Saltburn again, but like Saltburn kind of replaces religion with wealth. You know what I mean? That wealth is the big sort of uh, the sin that will will drive everybody to their graves in in Saltburn, and that but feels much more pertinent. Isn't not about wealth, though. It's not not about wealth, but it's not like wealth is the thing that like ruins Julia right. and Charles's relationship. Whereas, Chasing like, it is what ruins Charles. Yes. Yes, it is. But like the Catholicism plays a bit much bigger role in like her. In, like, in what ruins Julia, essentially, right. right? Right. Whereas, like, Saltburn feels much, much more relevant to our current time, where, like, everything is just, is is traced so, like, distinctly towards, like, well, capitalism is the reason why this is bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so, it, like, it makes sense. It does make more sense in that way. Joe, we should mention, this is the sixth Emma Thompson time she is joining the six yeah, timers is. club six i had timers. already thought that she had been there nope but six uh, timers club including one of which is a voiceover but it's like she's the voice for the entire it counts movie yeah it counts. uh so it does count um the uh six emma thompson movies we have covered uh men women and children which is the uh, aforementioned uh voiceover role. she plays Str- god which emma jo- emma thompson as god should be a much more pleasurable experience than it is. She plays movie. the pale blue dot that Ansel Elgort's character is obsessed with throughout the entire <laughs> uh, film. Uh, Stranger Than Fiction, a movie where she is the main character, or one of the two main characters, but she also has prominent voiceover. The Meyerowitz Stories, Much Ado About Nothing, uh, Burnt, which we did recently, and now Brides Have Revisited. So, as we always do, range. Chris... It's quite the range, right? Exactly. There's comedies, there's there's dramas, there's, you know, supporting performances, there's more uh, leads in there, and... Omniscient yeah. presence. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, sometimes she's a shrink uh, in, in all but name, and... Uh, yeah, so as we always do when uh, we get a sixth movie from an actor or actress, is I come up with a little quiz about these six movies, and I quiz you. So I imagine you are ready to go for all I of am. that, Chris. It's been a while since we've had one. We haven't had one in a while. I think the last one might have been John Carroll Lynch when we did our Private Life episode. But Interesting. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. But so Emma joins the club. Uh, the answer to all of these questions will be one or more of those aforementioned six movies. So are you ready to go? I sure am. Okay. Of those six movies, which is the longest? Okay, so just so I can list them again, we have Burnt, Brideshead, 
Men, Women, and Children, Stranger Than Fiction, uh, Meyerowitz, and what? Much Ado About Nothing. Do you Much want me to put him in the nothing. chat? Uh, yes, please do that. The longest has to be Brideshead. The longest is Brideshead. 133 yeah. minutes. What is the shortest? Uh, is the shortest Burnt? It is Burnt. Burnt's like Good 90 one. minutes. 101. 90 actually, minutes of hell. Yeah, 101 minutes, but uh, but uh, yes, uh, it is. All right. Of those six, which had the highest domestic box office total? Mm. Is it Stranger Than Fiction? It is Stranger Than Fiction. I was sort of surprised by this, but yeah, a robust 40.6 million for Stranger Than Fiction, which is way more than I thought it the had only made. Well, no, Men, Women, and Children is a studio movie. It's otherwise the only studio movie, but Men, Women, and Children was a massive, massive bomb. Well, uh, follow-up, what was the low, with the exception of the Meyerowitz stories, which was Netflix, so uh, not applicable, which was the lowest uh, domestic box office total? Men, Women, and Children. With Less 705,000. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, which had the highest Rotten Tomatoes score? Meyerowitz. Meyerowitz at 92%. Which had the lowest Rotten Tomatoes score? Men, Women, and Children. Nope. Wow. Men, One Women, and Children, worse. I thought it was like single digits. Is it No, it's in like the 30s. Is it uh, burnt? Men, Women, and Children. It's burnt. 28%. Yeah. yeah. All right. Which two of these movies were directed by people who who have never had any Oscar nominations. Brideshead Revisited, uh-huh. Julian Gerald, yep. and uh, Stranger Than Fiction is Mark Forster. That's not it. Um, it's Burnt. It's John Wells. It's John Wells. John Wells has never been nominated for an yeah. Oscar, even for producing. Uh, which movie had the same cinemato- has the same cinematographer as Poor Things? Ooh, who shot? Oh, that's uh, Robbie Ryan. It's Burnt. Not burnt. Is it men, women, and children? Not men, women, and children. Damn. I don't think Robbie Ryan shot Brideshead. Brideshead? Nope. nope. Damn, going through all these damn I was going to say, you've got three out of the way, so you're one out of three to Meyerowitz. go. Meyerowitz. So, stories, yes. Robbie Ryan uh, has done the cinematography on, I think, multiple Noah Baumbach movies. But uh, yes, does the phenomenal cinematography on Poor Things, and I hope he gets nominated for it this year. Um which movie was released during Taurus season? Taurus season. So that is May, April. That is Much Ado About Nothing. Very good. Much Ado About Nothing. Yes. Which is the only one that ended up on the National Board of Review's top 10? Much Ado About Nothing. Yes. Very good. Yeah. Which movie shares a writer with the 2022 Ben Affleck Ana de Armas sex thriller Deep Water? <laughs> Well, Tracy Letts, no, did Tracy Letts do a draft of that or Woman in the Window? And he has since disowned whatever draft. It's Woman in the Window. Okay. Um, Oh. It's, oh God, I, I could probably just guess based on the movie, but I'm trying to name this writer. Uh It's... Oh, uh, who did that really weird movie? I know Adrian Lyne directed. Is it, it is. just Men, Women, and Children? It's not Men, Women, and Children. Because no. that, I don't think, was just written by Reitman. It wasn't. It was written by someone else. It's not burnt. Is it Stranger Than Fiction? It is. Zach Helm from Stranger Than Fiction did, has at least a screenplay credit on Deep Never would have sure. guessed his name. I would have. I Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which movie shares a writer with the Jessica Chastain movie, Woman Walks Ahead? Oh, um, 
that Bride's Head revisited? Is it Andrew no. Davies? No? Okay. It's not. Nope. Is it Stranger Than Fiction? No, is it Men, Women, and Children? Nope. Wow. Is it strange, Stranger Than Fiction? It's not Stranger Than Fiction. It's not I'm bombing it's not this one. Around. Okay. Um, These are harder questions than I normally do, so I will, I will say uh, you're, you're hanging Meyerowitz in. could be co-written by Noah and someone else, but is it Much Ado About Nothing? Nope. That's just Kenneth Branagh doing the adaptation. So I guess it's Meyerowitz. It's not Meyerowitz. I thought I've guessed everything so far. You haven't. There's Men, one. women, and children. No, you guessed that already. I guess burnt. You didn't. Not burnt. for this one. Yeah, burnt. Stephen Knight has a screenplay credit on Woman Walks Ahead. Sure. Uh, which two movies played the Cannes Film Festival? Much Do About Nothing and Meyerowitz. Yes, Much Ado About Nothing played it after it opened in the United States, but yes. Which one of these movies won a Glad Media Award? Brideshead was only nominated. Or wait, sorry, that's what I meant. I didn't. I shouldn't have said no. Uh, which was nominated for a Glad Media Award? It's Brideshead yeah. revisited. You got it. You got it. Um, we'll talk about it. Let's talk. Write a note to talk about it. Like right after. It's it. It's already in the outline. About. Okay, good, 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 good. Which of these movies has the same cinematographer as the 2017 adaptation of Baywatch? <laughs> I don't know who that is, but I'm going to guess Stranger Than Fiction. No. Burnt. No. Okay. It's not Robbie Ryan. Robbie Ryan can't have shot Baywatch. He didn't. Don't worry. You're men, fine. women, and children. Yeah. Eric Steelberg, a cinematographer on Men, Women, and Children, and also Baywatch. Which of these movies features someone who famously played the president of the United States on television as a character credited as Secret Lover? Secret lover, one word, and L-U-V-U-R, spelling lover. Played the president on, on television. TV. Yes. There's a lot of options there. There's Martin Sheen. I don't think Martin Sheen is going to be playing secret lover to anyone. No. There is technically Clive Owen. Um, yes, but no. Nobody watched that. Um, yeah. Is it a fictional president or yes. a real president? Fictional okay. president. Fictional president on yep. television. Who played on a the very popular show. On 24? Yes. Who was that fucking president? Um, and would be someone's secret lover. I feel like there was multiple presidents on that awful show. Um, is it Stranger Than Fiction? It's not Stranger Than Fiction. What's is a movie my- where somebody might be like a screen name, secret lover? Uh, oh, Men, Women, and Children. Yeah, want to take a guess who it was? Uh, it's Rosemary DeWitt goes on a date with someone in that movie. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh-huh. It's um. Oh God! No! 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 Um. It's it's um. Dennis Haysbert. It's Dennis Haysbert. Yes, yeah. He played the yeah, president yeah, yeah, yeah. on Twenty Four. Yep. All right. Which of these movies filmed primarily in and around Chicago? Uh Is burnt faking? New York for Chicago? Is it burnt? Well, burnt is not set in New York. Um, oh, it's set in London. That's right. Yeah. Um, men, women, and children. No. Men, women, and children filmed in Austin, Texas. I would have put money that that filmed in Toronto, Canada. Stranger than fiction. It is stranger than fiction. Very good. Which one of these films was a Razzie nominee? Men, women, and children. No. Burnt. 
Wow. Uh, Stranger than fiction. Nope. Much Ado About Nothing. Yep. Wonder, what was remember that? what? Uh, is it like, oh, no, they hated Keanu Reeves. They nominated yep. Keanu Reeves. They nominated this Keanu stupid. Reeves. He's fine in that movie. I yes, think. I agree. If Which I movie had the same cinematographer as the 2011 film Jane Eyre? Ooh. Isn't that Robbie Ryan? Nope. Uh, okay. No, is is it Greg Frazier? Nope. This is someone. Not really. No? No. Okay. Uh, but think of like the way, well, it's not right. It's not like stylistically. Well. Men, women, and children. No. Brideshead Revisited. No. God. Burnt. Yes. Antonio Goldman did the cinematography for Burnt and Jane Eyre. Which two movies feature stars of The Producers? So that's Nathan Lane, Matthew Broderick, Uma Thurman. That definitely includes Burnt. Burnt, Uma Thurman, yep. Um, Will Ferrell is in The Producers, so Stranger Than Fiction. Very good. Burnt and Stranger Than Fiction. Uh, well reasoned. Which two movies feature the stars, or feature stars of The Danish Girl? Oh, God. Um, well, that's Alicia Vikander, Eddie Redmayne, Amber Heard. Um, oh, who else is in that movie? Um, Alicia yes, Vikander is in Burnt. Yes, Alicia Vikander is in Burnt. Yes, I am being intentionally mean to you by making you remember the Danish R- Because it's probably neither Amber Heard nor Eddie Redmayne. Um, Correct. Yeah, it's neither of them. Who else was in this movie? I can't remember. Look at look at the stars of the other movies and think who who might be might have been in the Danish Girl. Was Ben Wishaw in it? Ben Wishaw was yeah. in fact in it. Yes. Is Ben Wishaw Which- also playing a trans character in it? I don't think a trans character, but Ben Wishaw definitely like kisses. Plays a queer person. Kisses Eddie Redmayne, yes. Um, uh, Which two movies feature stars of The Village? Ah, lots of people in The Village. Uh, The Meyerowitz stories, Sigourney. Very good. You got that one quick. Yes. I will never forget that she introduces herself. I love that you're that the movie. first person from the village that you go to is Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> <laughs> um, and men, women, and children for Judy Greer. Very good. God, yeah. you got that one very quickly. All right. Which movie opened the same weekend as Gone Girl? That is 2015. So that is Burnt. Nope. Wrong on both counts. Oh, wow. Uh, no, it's 2014. Uh, so it is men, women, and children. Correct. Which movie opened the same weekend as Step Brothers? Step Brothers is a summer movie, and it's certainly not going to be stranger than fiction. Um, it's Brideshead Revisited. Very good, yes. Which movie opened the same weekend? Oh, wait, that's the last. I kept a question. I copied and pasted from the last quiz, so that was last. Okay. Of which movie did Entertainment Weekly's Owen Gleiberman say, Redacted director is such a skillful filmmaker that he doesn't just score didactic points. He's made the first movie to capture the tone, the rhythm, the flavor of our experience as it comes filtered through technology. Men, women, and children. Yep. Get Ben Owen Gleiberman. (laughs) 
My nemesis. Of course you had to pull a quote from my nemesis. Which movie did Rex Reed call a mildly entertaining but well-acted, sumptuously photographed, and smartly written comedy with dark undertones about culinary addiction that can only be called delicious? Culinary addiction. Burnt. Burnt. Rex Reed (laughs) loved him some Burnt. Uh, which movie did Roger Ebert call a good sound example of the British period drama Mid-Range Merchant Ivory, you could say? Much to do about nothing? No. Brideshead Revisited. Brideshead Revisited, and that is the end of our He's quiz, not Chris File. He's, not, He's wrong. not wrong. Mid-Range Merchant Ivory, yeah. Um, all right. Good job, Chris. You passed Thank you. the Emma Thompson quiz. All right. She's, uh, a, about- she's a legend. She's an icon. She is the moment. She is the moment. I will always love her. I want to talk about that Glad uh, nomination. Um, For wide release, too. Outstanding film, wide release. Well, this did get a wide release. I mean, it did, but sometimes the movies that they qualify for wide release and limited release are arbitrary. (laughs) It's an interesting... So let's, let's dig into, though. The winner is Milk, which... Is justified for many as many problems as I have with Dustin Lance Black. Great, movie. I think Milk is a good movie um, and a good queer movie. So um, very good. Honestly, I'll stick up for Rock and Rolla because I mostly because I think Tom Hardy was hot in that. Movie. What a and fucking like, weird nomination! I have not seen Rock and Rolla. I mean, if you're limiting yourself, <laughs> Tom Hardy's gay in that movie, and okay. Yeah. Listen, if you're limiting yourself to wide releases in 2008, you're maybe (laughs) having uh, that's that's probably fair because Um, they also nominate Vicky Cristina Barcelona, which to me is some real shallow shit for uh, for this. Like, I yes, they both there's a threesome at one point in the movie, but like, I would not say that that constitutes queer themes, really. I think it's like a threesome kiss too i forget if those characters were at all actually fucking but i think yeah. i think penelope cruz's character is canary is canonically bisexual in that movie no i, I think, think i've prob- only seen that movie once i think penelope cruz's character is like aren't i so crazy and it's just like conceivably so, bisexual yeah um, and then uh, the Vicky Cristina Barcelona are just bisexual enough. Uh, it right, falls into right. the category. Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, a movie I haven't seen probably since the first time I saw it, even though I remember Same. liking it pretty well. I think it's just that like one of them has a friend who is gay and it's not even like Ari Grainer's character who rules. Like it's like one of them has a gay friend. I think that's all it is. Is like Daniel Franzese in this movie or something? No, but like it's it's essentially just like that's conceivable to me. Yeah, but anyway, so like Slim Pickens there. The limited release movies are even more interesting in that, like, I don't know if I've seen any of these. Like Noah's Ark, right. jumping the broom is one of the two winners, which I definitely remember watching Noah's Ark. Did you ever watch Noah's Ark when you were sure, younger? Was that yeah. on Logo? Back um, when I had Logo, and I was like, I should watch more things on Logo. What I genuinely I feel like there are only like 12 episodes in existence of Noah's Ark, but I definitely watched all of them multiple times just because like Logo would play them all the time. Um, and then a movie called Shelter, which also won, which I've never seen. Have you ever seen have this movie, not. Shelter? I haven't seen any of these. 
I'm just going to read you the log lines of these ones. Oh, well, it co-stars Tina Holmes, who spent, like, an entire decade playing, like, the third wheel to queer relationships in indie movies. So, like, good for Tina Holmes. She was the girl. And do you remember, did you ever see the other Edge of Seventeen, the gay Edge of Seventeen? She's, like, Cedar Point Cinema. They shot that movie at Cedar Point. Iconic Cedar Point Cinema. Very good. Yeah. Um, all right, the logline for Shelter. When his college dreams are sidelined by family obligations, a young man finds comfort in surfing with his best friend's brother. Men.com present Shelter. Um, I'm sure it's a very good movie. It stars Brad Rowe, who I remember thinking was the hottest in the 90s, and like he didn't do a single thing of, of actual note as an actor. All right, so there was a movie called Save Me. Um... That starred, among others... Okay, so the poster of this movie is Chad Allen. Do you remember Chad Allen from the 80s at all? Sure don't. was on My Two Dads and, like, a bunch of, like, sitcoms and stuff like that? No. No. Okay, no. he was an actor. He was on My Two Dads. He came out uh, when he was older and then got cast in a bunch of these sort of, like... Uh, uh, queer thing. So Save Me is a sex and drug addicted young man who is forced into a Christian run ministry in an attempt to cure him of his gay affliction, where instead he is faced with the truth in his heart and spirit. So the poster of this movie is Chad Allen in like uh uh like a like a winter cap, you know what I mean? Uh but like for fashion, and a cross, like an iron cross necklace, holding a crucifix like it's a gun <laughs> to his temple. In a very sort of like dark imagery of like, you know, uh, unsubtle Christian imagery. Ops independent cinema was the time. 100%. A movie called The Edge of Heaven, which I actually m- may have seen. Right, Fadi Akin. Okay, I have seen this movie. Uh, a Turkish man travels to Istanbul to find the daughter of his father's former girlfriend. Um, so there's one, at least, that I've seen. Fadi Akin's The Edge of Heaven. And then XXY... Why? Because we like you. Uh, which is a Lucia Puenzo movie, the story of an intersex 15-year-old. She lives with her parents who have to cope with the challenges of her medical condition. Uh, also did not win. Um, so anyway, those were the gay indies of 2008. So like the gulf between, you know, these very, very, very tiny movies that all, you know, at the very least had incredibly explicit front street, like they were about queer things you know quality quality aside you know what i mean they were all about queer things and then these like bigger movies that really had to scrape to like i guess michael Sarah's friend was gay (laughs) i mean it's just 2008 my man this was the year that uh, california passed a defensive marriage bill and ruined the uh obama election after party for me like i remember actively being like so awesome that Obama got elected. This is so good. And it's like, oh, right. But at the very exact same time, California passed that uh, Prop 8. Remember? Prop 8. Gave Dustin Lance Black more shit to write about for a decade. There you go. There you go. There you go. All right. That was Dustin Dustin Lance Black that was, like, doing the, like, Prop 8 play that, like, George Clooney did a live reading of or something. We took to the streets and protested the Mormon Visitor Center at uh, uh, in New York that that week, that day after, I believe. Uh, and my office, I worked at ABC at the time, which is like next door 
to there. So I literally just sort of like rolled out of my office and just like got into a little march with Dan Savage and a whole bunch of people. And uh, the the very same Mormon center that is uh, dramatized in Angels in America, um, because the Mormon church had funded essentially quite a bit of the thing. 2008, what a time. What, what a weird time. What a time. All right, can we talk about Ben Whishaw? I was wondering why it was taking you so long to get into it. Whishaw. Okay, so, yes. He had been in some movies before Brideshead Revisited. Oh, he had been in I'm Not There. That's maybe the first time I had ever he's, seen him. He's like the Bob Dylan in that movie with the least screen time, but he is... He's essentially Arthur... He's Arthur Rimbo more, more so than Bob Dylan, right? Yeah. That's sort of the thing. Uh, yeah, but like everybody is like Bob Dylan right. and not in right. that movie. Right, like, right, that movie's incredible. But that um, makes sense though. That that would have been the first thing I saw him in, and then Brideshead is the first thing that I was like, oh my goodness, this beautiful yeah. little wisp of a thing. But he had al- also been in that movie, Perfume: The Story of a Murderer, which right. I hadn't seen till after, which was directed, I think, by Tom Tickver. Yes. Right. Yes. Um. With Ben Wishaw and Alan Rickman. Is that queer-themed? Or is that not? Uh, I think it's queer-themed, or, like, queer-coded, in that it's, like... I see. Do crime. Be gay, do crimes. Be gay, do crimes. Commit perfume murders. Um, And then he he was in Layer Cake, which I had seen, and, like, I don't remember Ben Wishaw in that movie at all. Um, But, like, that movie is, like... Everybody who has ever been in uh, a Guy Ritchie movie was also in Layer Cake, playing somebody with a Northern English accent of some sort. And good for everybody. Michael Gambon was also in that movie. So I guess Brideshead Revisited is a Gambon Wisha <laughs> reunion. Um, and he was in Enduring Love, which I always talk about. The I need Roger to, Michel. I, I need to eventually see that. Movie. Psycho Reese Ifans uh, balloon accident movie. Um, so I also don't really remember who he played in that. I should go back and watch that again, though, and see what Shaw was up to. Um, but Brideshead Revisited was the thing for me. The, I remember the trailer for this movie featured the two most gorgeous shots of the movie. The one of them with uh, it's Haley Atwell, Ben Wishaw. Um, uh, Matthew Good in the gondola in Venice, all in their white linen, like mm-hmm. sun hat, like looking absolutely gorgeous. And then there's the other shot of Michael Gambon on the fainting couch, bracketed by Julia and Sebastian, and he puts one hand on each of their shoulders and essentially is just like, gonna be a weird summer, isn't it, Charles? Um, <laughs> And I loved, uh, I thought it was, uh, so already from that trailer, I was so taken with, with Ben Wishaw. And I think he gives a really genuinely lovely performance. In yeah. This movie and is like doing all the Wishaw things that I really love, yeah. that I would come to really love. Not that it's a surprise that Ben Wishaw would be great at a movie, but I think his performance in this is probably the best one. hundred percent. And be, most, especially because... He only gets half of the movie to do it, yeah. and he really gets across fairly economically just the depth of not only, like, because he's in love with Charles, but I think he even understands that this is, you know, a sort of summer infatuation kind of a thing, and it's more about the longing for him than it is about the actual relationship. It's that, mm-hmm. like, this is 
this, you know, man who he is in love with and is completely unavailable to him for reasons beyond his control. That like, even if, even if Charles was, you know, as attracted to him as he is into to, to Charles, and if he's, even if Charles was as in love with him, that they wouldn't be able to be together because of society, but also because of his mother's, you know, choking Catholicism. And all of that gets communicated, I think, very economically by uh, Wisha in actually not that many scenes, right? It's like right. seven scenes, essentially. Um, he's wonderful. I love him so much. Best performance. Terrific actor. Looping back to the very beginning when we were talking about the Gothams, I was surprised that Passages did so well without nominating him at the Gothams. Without nominating... Wisha. Oh, it's so funny because Rogowski has sort of swallowed up all of the conversation that I'm like, I'm not surprised at all. Like nobody has ever talked about Ben Wishaw in that movie. Like uh, everybody well, just talks I mean, about gay Rogowski. People certainly have. Um, Even gay people are just like I think I think everybody's so all in on Rogowski. Like Wishaw's legitimately great in the movie as well. I love him. I absolutely love his best like, performances. Yeah, I think he's um, great. Listeners, you can currently watch Passages on Mubi. <laughs> Uh, and you should watch it. So the year after Brideshead Revisited, he's in Jane Campion's Bright Star. And he is bringing a lot of that same energy, but to obviously like a, a straight character in this like, it's my one, it's my favorite straight romance in any movie. And it's maybe like, you know what I mean? And to, to accomplish <laughs> it helps that it's like, uh, uh, it helps that it is a gay actor playing this. And also it's like playing a straight, a straight character who like, reclines in a tree full of purple flowers and like <laughs> writes poetry and is spends half of the movie on a couch spends half of the movie on a couch he's everything i've ever wanted in a straight person um it's a lovely to be gay. movie <laughs> yeah i you love bright star as much as i do yes bright star is amazing i've talked about it so many times I'm, I'm, i will give you uh a little room to talk about it and also have you seen the tempest which he's in the year after bright star no i have never seen nor have i julie taymore's we, the tempest we should we do, do that, that as an exception an ex- exception okay yeah because what a weird story and we could talk about julie tamer and we could um talk about ben wishaw playing a weird shapeless ghost <laughs> in that oh, and i am intrigued the embodiment of the wind or something he's essentially like it's the titular role he is the tempest but like he is kind of that like that he he kind of is that in this movie from what i understand you know what i mean <laughs> um so i think that's uh, that's especially funny. All we'll be doing is playing sound clips of uh, you're, you're, you're the Tempest. You're the titular role. Um, he gets cast as Q in Skyfall, which is a um, sort of intentional and kind of a cheeky recast of that role from being, you know, uh, it's Desmond Llewellyn, right? Who's in the Bond movies as Q. He's uh-huh. the sort of older, he's like, what if Alfred from Batman, but was your gadget guy, essentially, um, especially in like the Pierce Brosnan ones when he's older. Um, so he's like young little gadget guy. There's this big honking deal in No Time to Die when you're just like, we're finally making Q canonically gay. And he like has a 
husband, I think, or boyfriend or something. Boyfriend, because he's dating. He's, like, actively dating um, in a scene. And that's nice, I suppose. It's, you know, I'm not going to count it as, like, historical progress, but it's nice that, you know, Ben Wishaw can, uh, all things being equal, be queer when, you know, he can you mean be, so you mean to say we're not gonna get uh, the next James Bond will like not be jet setting like uh, there's a whole set piece in Puerto Vallarta. I was gonna say Provincetown is the yeah. big uh, 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 bad shits going down at the uh, the ice house in Fire Island or something. Yeah, 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 yeah one hundred percent. Listen, I'd be He's down going for to it. Ibiza. Cloud Atlas 2012. We've talked about it. I think his performance, especially in the. Um, his main storyline where he's the uh, Frobisher, Robert Frobisher character. Um, I think he's astoundingly good in that. He makes me cry. Every time I watch that movie, the sort of, it's another gay longing role. He really kind of has quartered the market, <laughs> quartered the market <laughs> on gay longing in a lot of these movies, but like he does do it very well. So um, uh, good for him for that. Um, where are you on Paddington? Gay wrath. Let's see him I could, do gay He rap. could pull it off. He could pull it off. He should um, be a gay serial killer if he's not already one. I was going to say, parfum. wasn't that perfume? <laughs> parfum? Um, where do you stand on the Paddington movies where he plays the voice of Paddington Bear? Well, oh, this is... If the if the listeners weren't going to yell at you for being mild on Paddington, this is where the listeners Nope, this is me. why I'm going to make them... It's gonna, why I'm going to make you do it. I haven't seen the Paddington movie. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Are you trying to not see it so that you don't have to become part of the Paddington uh, team Paddington? It, on it, the... it really just like it is not. It it has slipped by being a priority enough that I haven't seen it, but it is not some act of omission. It has just never been uh-huh. at the top of the list. And when those movies were in theater, well, I mean like Paddington two people made a big deal out of and like Paddington, the people first Paddington, turned Paddington, pe- turned liking Paddington two into a meme in a way that I found obnoxious. I think it just made people joyful at a very dark time. Sure. And I hadn't seen the the first installment so i felt like i couldn't see the second until i saw the first and like <laughs> you when where the first was you'd be, in theaters, you'd be like, lost in the no intricate plot like machinations here. yeah exactly where where did this bear come from uh what's going ju- on i can't just jump onto a moving treadmill i can't like will I gotta you start will you marathon them like people did with the Saw movies this year. Uh, Why did in preparation. Do that? Why were people under this delusion that the I almost Saw did movies it. I almost did it. were interesting <laughs> enough to go rev... I mean, like, I say there's this ten of them. just watched honestly, all of the Hunger Games movies. I was like, going to say, and also, why like... Why did I do that? Honestly, I was like, there's ten of them. I've only seen one of them. Maybe I'll marathon them, and I just ran out of time, or else I would have done it. Um, but will you catch up before Paddington in Peru? Which... I think release is sure, early. I will commit to this early next year. If it's not a February movie, oh no, they've moved it to November. They've if it, officially now it is um, a family tentpole now. So um, best of luck to you, Paddington in Peru. Not to be all 2011 and say don't at me, but don't at me that I haven't seen the Paddington movies yet. Don't do it. All right, um, I'm sure moving, I will enjoy them. Ben Wishaw is in 2015. Everything he decides, I'm just going to be in. Everything. He's in The Lobster. 
He's in Suffragette, which we saw playing the least Ben Wishaw role of all, which is domineering husband. <laughs> okay. I do, um, I do respect the choice of casting a Ben Wishaw in that role sure. as part of a point to say what a domineering husband. Right. It doesn't have to be life. Bluto from the Popeye cartoon. It doesn't have to be Clive Owen. Right. It doesn't right, have right, to be right. Brendan Gleeson, fair. though That's Brendan fair. Gleeson is in that movie. That's fair. That's fair. Um, he's in The Danish Girl, he's in Spectre, and then he's a, he plays Herman Melville in In the Heart of the Sea. A movie that it, we should do. Well, I mean, yeah. we, we, we've done John Paul. I'd do it. But. I'd, hap- I'd, I'd happily do it. Um, thoughts on any of those? I know we've done an episode on Suffragette. Uh, love to see him booked and busy. Yeah. Um, Paddington 2, 2017. I've not seen a hologram for the king, so I can't really talk about that. Um, I don't love him in Mary Poppins Returns. I didn't like him in that either. Which, like, maybe we should just move on because I don't. Maybe we should just move on. Honestly, I I want better for him. Like, yeah. it's a it's a it's a wasted whatever. Saving Mr. Banks, save Mr. Banks from uh, uh that movie. Um, because he also plays Michael Banks. Um, Personal History of David Copperfield. He plays a real creep in that one. He plays I forget who he plays, but I hate He plays that Uriah one. Heep. He plays the like uh um underhanded sort of uh Oh, don't they basically give him a mustache to twirl? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did not. But like he's also movie. like but he's also like kind of like malformed and misshapen. You know what I mean? He's sort of like a little troll. He's like, ah, I right. will steal your he, life, like, David necklace? Copperfield. Something. Listen, don't cast Ben Wishaw as Uriah Heep. Cast him as Imogen Heap. <laughs> Whoa. Make that biopic happen, everybody. Oh, doesn't that sound great? Ooh, what you say? The Imogen Heap story. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm into it. Okay, so honestly, the next big thing, I mean, he does a bunch of really interesting TV. He's in the hour uh in twenty eleven, which was this great uh BBC miniseries on uh this news program he's in that miniseries london spy which i think he's queer in that uh he's in a very english scandal he's definitely queer in that he's in a season of fargo in 2020 oh right he's in the bad season of fargo not there are many bad seasons of fargo as far as i'm concerned but the one that like i think more people agreed with me was bad the chris rock season of fargo um, he's in the, another BBC AMC co-production called This Is Going to Hurt, which was a medical miniseries that I don't remember very much at all, but it was last year. Um, so he's done a lot of television, um, put it that way. And he's also done his fair share of theater. I've seen him, um, in a, in a play called The Pride, uh, with Andrea Riseborough and, Oh, who was the other guy? It was, it was, um, fuck. It was Hugh Dancy, right? It was Ben Rashaw, Hugh Dancy. Joe Mantello directed that production of it. It was great. Um, queer themed as well there. So good things there. He was in the Sir Ronan Crucible, wasn't he? Right? Wasn't he John Proctor to Sir Ronan's Abigail Williams on Broadway? Um, strange... People did not seem to care for that production. They did not. Well, that was what's his face. Um, was Eva it? Van Hova? I think it was Eva Van Hova. I think so. Um, okay. Anyway, 
comes back a little bit of a comeback. I was still kind of surprised if if Women Talking is the Best Picture nominee. I was kind of surprised that he got no traction for supporting actor in that movie, even though I know it was a divisive performance. Uh, again, I would I would personally rather move on because I don't want to talk. Crap you don't about like ben him in Women ever. Talking. I think that's a bad performance. I like him in that. I like everything in Women Talking. I don't know. Should have been Judith um, Ivy. We all well, should have all... got on board. I From agree. The you know, I was on the Judith Ivy thing before you were. So, like, let's because let's... you saw the movie two days before I did. Like, listen, I'm just stating facts here, my friend. Movie. I'm just being factual. I don't know about you. Um, yeah, no, Judith because Ivy. Everybody she was will. like, "Is it gonna be Jesse Buckley or is it gonna be Claire Foy?" It sh- it never should have been a conversation. It was going to be Judith Ivy. Once you see. Once you see all of us strangers, I have a Claire Foy theory that's going to make me sound like a dick, but I think is right that I'm interested to float past you. I will so, not forget to ask about this. Okay. Um, and then Passages, you mentioned Passages this year. Terrific performance. Terrific performance. Franz Rogowski is getting all the credit, but uh, Ben Wishaw is also great. And he's filming... Something called Limanov the Battle Ballad of Eddie, which sure. Yeah. I'm into it. Uh Pavel Pavlikowski's new movie. So I don't know. Oh no, wait. It was gonna be Pavel Pavlikowski's new movie. And now it is uh a Russian filmmaker who Oh, is it uh the guy who did Beanpole? Very possibly. Didn't love that either. Um, it's the guy who did Tchaikovsky's wife. Oh, right. I haven't seen so, any of his films. Yeah. So anyway, um, Ben Wishaw, we love him. All right. We are coming up. Well, what, what else do we want to say about this film? The experience of it? I would say just quickly, Haley Atwell, a performer who I genuinely like whenever I see her. But I feel yeah. like I never really see her, especially out of Marvel. Well, okay, people talk about her as if, like, Marvel dominated her life. She did one short-lived Marvel television series and made, like, two and a half Marvel movies. Like, but it's then not she like goes she was... and plays, like, the teacher in Blinded by, Blinded by the Light, which, like... Okay, we're gonna do the Haley Atwell thing. Always like her, but... I like her. I like her. And listen... Her Marvel TV series is maybe the best Marvel TV series. Like, it is genuinely, um, uh, Agent Carter is awesome. Like, it was genuinely also before there were a ton of Marvel TV series. And it was on season. ABC. It was on, yeah. like, network television, and it ruled. Which is um, probably why it was good. Well, I don't know. I think there are. Well, I there think... was also Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which, like, I watched it also... three episodes with my husband, and I hate it. I, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I have a very... We don't have time for me to talk about my re- relationship with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I think that show evolved into something very good. It just became something very separate from the MCU, and that was fine. The thing about Agent Carter that was good is it was a pre, it was set decades before any of the stuff that was happening in the movies, so it could exist in its own space without being like, why isn't... Why aren't any of the big major characters uh, showing up in this thing? So... um all right, so after Brideshead Revisited, or the same year, she's in The Duchess, the Kira Knightley movie, The Duchess. And then, like, Captain America is basically her next big movie. She does some... 
she does a bunch of television, actually. She's in, like, a lot of British TV. She's in, oh my god, the... Pillars of the Earth. The best, one of my favorite Black Mirror episodes. Everybody talks about, and rightfully so, San Junipero as being the, like, most, like, tragic love story kind of a thing. And Mackenzie Davis and Gugu Mbatha-Ron, they're both great. But Haley Atwell and Domhnall Gleeson... Oh, I've seen this one. This one is very good. Where he's the, like, android version of her dead husband. Yes. Is so good and sad. And I love it so much. Um, And it was very early on. It was, like, the second season of Black Mirror. But um, highly recommended. So, and that aired in 2013. So I already, like, she was already in Captain America by then. But, like, oh, my God, I loved her. Um, She was also in... That uh, adaptation of the Ken Follett uh, novel, The Pillars of the Earth, Pillars that the was Earth, like yeah. stars, that was like massive, right? It was like mm-hmm. everybody's in that, like uh, Matthew McFadden and Ian McShane and Eddie Redmayne. And I've never seen it. Have you seen Ken that? Ken Follett books being a massive thing for a minute. I have not seen it. What are his other books that were that were a thing? I think they were all like that with titles. Like was it like that. the White Queen and stuff like that? Was sure, that control? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, That's the vibe. Love it. Okay. Um, all I remember Ken Follett is like when I worked at the public library, like all of his books would be uh, this sort of like massive section anyway. But that was like a big, huge thing. And because it was on stars, I was like, oh, that's probably nothing. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, this is like enormous. Um, is Agent Carter in a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of things? Um, I guess her other big movies, she's at the very beginning of Cinderella, the Lily James Cinderella, where she's Mm -hmm. Cinderella's mother and then she dies. Um, She's maybe the mom and also in Christopher Robin, or is he his wife? Or is she his wife in that? His, like, grown-up... Okay. That's a thankless role. I know. Um, But she's enjoyable in that movie I didn't really think was very good, but... I liked Blinded by the Light. I'm gonna say that. It's a I'm cute just going to come out and say that. It's I think it's movie. a good movie. It maybe right, helped she has me not done... like Springsteen more. Oh, I mean, I didn't need a movie to make me like Springsteen, but I get it. I get what you're saying there. That yeah. makes, that makes a lot of sense. Springsteen, I think, for like, you are at the tail end of, like... I remember Born in the USA and my lived experience. Oh, I do too, but like, I remember Born in the USA in ways that I was uncomfortable with and Springsteen would be uncomfortable with in, like, you know... Well, how old... When? What year were you born? 87. Yeah, so, like, Born in the USA came out when you were, like, zero years old. Yes, but, like... Right. Like, I remember... Like where, in, like, they're like playing my Born in the USA right before sure, I'm proud sure. to be an American. Sure, sure, sure. But see, but that's the difference, is I remember Born in the USA before it was co-opted. As a union way. song, right. Yeah, uh, as the song is written to be. Um, yeah. Wow, yeah, yeah. imagine reading comprehension levels being low in certain parts of society. I see what you're talking about when you look at the filmography and you see all these Marvel movies in there. And, like, it is true, but it also is, like, most of them she's playing, like, in one scene. And you know what I mean? Where it's just, like, Peggy Carter cameo or whatever. She is, she is really fun in Dead Reckoning. Uh, I love her Atencio in Dead Reckoning. Pocket, Haley Atwell. I don't love that movie, but Me I think she's I think she's well, great. Well, no, that? I I thought it was a good time 
it was definitely aided by me rewatching all of those movies right beforehand because like who are these villains you're talking about who are they they like uh, i think gone through multiple movies and i have no idea who these people are i think dead reckoning part one is a little bit resting on the laurels of Everybody, we can be dumb and everyone loves us for it. So why don't we just be like really dumb? And I think it's like significantly dumber than all the other Mission Impossible movies, just in terms of like nothing dumber in that movie than who they kill off. I was so unhappy. I didn't, I mean, that kind of had to happen. But um, I also don't love, like, I'm not, I, I am not as in the thrall of those movies as everybody else is. I don't dislike. I enjoy myself, Most but, like, understanding what is happening at any time and, like, yeah. who the villain is. Just, like, the I, base level question of who is the villain in this movie I think never when the, the, can follow. <laughs> I think when the sixth one came out and people were, like, one of the best five movies of the year, I was like, all right, this is all officially gone entirely too far. Yeah. Um, but... Anyway, Atwell, great. And she's going to be in the next one. And she's a great addition to that. I refuse. I'm not falling for this thing where it's like, these are the last ones. Bullshit. Like, absolutely do I not believe that. So um, maybe she's got a few more in. uh, Tom Cruise will not stop until he dies on screen. Come on. Come on. All right. Um, So, yeah. I think Haley Atwell is good in Brideshead Revisited. I really lose patience for that character really quickly, so like that doesn't help her cause very much. But um, there you have it. We should probably talk about Matthew Good also, uh, since I did promise that we did that we would. Um, bah, 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 bah. So the thing that I was sort of alluding to, he does Brideshead Revisited. He had been in, um, well, he had been in Matchpoint. And Chasing Liberty. Okay, was the first thing you saw him in Match Point or Chasing Liberty? I think this is a, a crucial distinction. Chasing Liberty. It was. Okay. So Chasing Liberty 2004. He is the uh she's Mandy Moore is the daughter of the president. There was a time, ladies and gentlemen, in which the entirety of pop culture was obsessed with the idea of what if the president had a daughter who dated because at the time or yeah, at the time the president had daughters and we were sort of like, it's too bad. We can't like enjoy the Bush daughters because it's Bush. So it's like, what if we had fictional Bush daughters who we could like? And like, (laughs) if we only knew in culture that we had to just like wait it out and that Jenna Bush would be like co-host of the today show in 20 years, like who to thunk it. But anyway, um, what if Mandy Moore was the daughter of the president? What if she met a hottie in Europe? Is it? Is, all right, you've seen Chasing Liberty. You, you I have not seen it. Chasing Liberty probably since theaters. So. Well, I've never seen it, so why don't you tell me what it, happened? You know, it basically got lumped in with First Daughter, the Katie Holmes version of this. But Chasing Liberty is the good one, right? Yeah, but Chasing Liberty is the good one. Right, okay. But I think First Daughter was the more successful one. And he's like, what if I was a hottie who romanced the daughter of the president? And also, exactly. like, Mandy Moore's the best. I love Mandy Moore. Um, Can't even God. remember who he is in Matchpoint. He's also in Imagine Me and You. Can't imagine. Can't remember who he is in that. In Matchpoint, he's the... He's... I mean, not to use a term I hate, but he's the cuck, essentially, right? Like, he's the... He's the one who's supposed to... I don't remember. Uh... 
Or no, he's maybe... Right. Jonathan Rhys-Meyers is, is engaged to Emily Mortimer and has the affair with Scarlett Johansson. But is Matthew Good like, with Scarlett Johansson? I gotta see Matchpoint again. I really liked uh, Matchpoint. And I'm like mixing up the plot. Um, what a film, what a cast. I really love it. Anyway, um, and then he's in Imagine Me and You, which is a movie that I mentioned in our quiz with uh, uh, Christina about... Uh, lesbian relationship movies the old yes. parker movie imagine me and you um he is not one of the two lesbian leads okay um really? he's also though he's in a movie called the lookout that had that starred it was a scott frank movie with joseph gordon levitt it's like a crime movie just from the look of the poster when that movie came out i was like well i'm not seeing that <laughs> that's i liked it me. it does the poster is very mid-aughts like stylish crime you know what i mean um and that's sort of what it was but matthew good plays this real scuzzy type and it takes me took me a while to be like that's who that is that's matthew good um he's quite fantastic in that movie so okay brideside revisited we just talked about it. The very next year, it's quite the double bill because he's in a single man as the sort of ghost of relationships past. The Christopher Nolan dead wife, but make it gay. One million percent. Yeah. Well, well described there. Yes, exactly. Um, and then in the same year, he is in um, the absolutely misbegotten Zack Snyder version of Watchmen playing the quite consequential role of Adrian V. Uh, Ozymandias, and most people agree he's very poorly cast. And my feeling is in a better movie, it could, they could have made that casting work. I think I watching Jeremy Irons do it in the TV show, and obviously it's a much older version of the character, but like you really get the sense of like, oh, oh, like this is sort of, this is what you needed. I think Watchmen has casting problems sort of up and down the ballot, right? Yeah. Where I think I think Crude Up as Dr. Manhattan is really good. But I think even like somebody who I really like, like Patrick Wilson as Night Owl, like doesn't doesn't yeah. quite do it. Yeah. Malin Ackerman, God bless baby girl, but like she like as Silk <laughs> Spectre is not great it also just felt like very for as anticipated a movie as it was and like that was a movie that was fantasy cast to death for incredible teaser trailers like loved the trailers loved all of that and then like the movie is such a a a letdown suffocating in its its in uh dedication to recreating the comic book exactly as it looked on the page which and is like yes you can do that but you also have to still successfully develop the themes of yes. that text and like that's what makes Zack Snyder uniquely unequipped uh-huh. to adapt watch it also is probably dead in the water as a as a single film adaptation like not to be like but this is this is one of the things why so many people said make it a tv show instead of a movie like that's why we're sort of in the pickle that we are is because so many times they tried to make a movie that in two hours was just not a satisfying adaptation of a long sprawling story and so Watchmen is the one where, like, that actually makes a ton of sense. Watchmen as a TV series, even though it wasn't adapting Watchmen, it was mm-hmm. adapting the world of Watchmen. God, that was so good. Did you watch that, right? Yes, incredible. Incredible. Um, But anyway, oh, such a 
Watchmen was definitely, the Zack Snyder Watchmen was definitely one of those movies. I always hate when I do this because I always feel like a real asshole afterwards. But it was definitely one of those movies where I watched it and I was like, Homer Simpson, it's still good. It's still good. You know what I mean? That Simpsons were like the, the, the pig from the barbecue is on a runaway and it's whatever it's, or I'm just like, no, there was good things. Watchmen was good. It did this yeah. thing well. It just, and like, I always look back at that and I'm just being, being like, you could have just said nothing and like figured out your opinion and then like had a much more, you know, accurate, whereas like trying to like, defend this version of the movie that you wanted it to be you know what i mean there and is I something so aesthetically compelling about the movie but it is well the opening is really good everybody who's you know the the times they are a change in opening or whatever it's a very arresting opening to it but it's too bad yeah um anyway matthew good Next year in Leap Year, the right? Amy Adams romantic Classic comedy. down the middle of the plate rom-com. Like, if you want to define what a romantic comedy was in the aughts, even though it does release in 2010, like, point somebody to Leap Year. It's uh, maybe a, movie, a little bit better than it was treated at the time. If we knew that that was going to be one of the last ten rom-coms ever made as right. for theatrical distribution, we would have been a lot nicer to that and 27 Dresses, I might add. Yeah. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. There is something about Leap Year that, like, it's not quite bargain bin, but it is fundamentally stupid. In yeah. that, like, when as it a came lot out, of romantic were, like, comedies, this were. is beneath Amy Adams, and it's like, sure, sure, like people are overdoing. it She a can't bit, only make but... Oscar movies, though. Like, that's the thing. You sh- you used to be able to do both. You used to be able to right. have dual career paths if you were an Amy Adams. But when people had dual career paths, they were doing. Sometimes much better. Of course. Of, of course. This, you know? Of course. Yes. You're absolutely right. The um, next big major thing for yeah. Matthew Good, I think, is probably his best performance. And my favorite of them is Stoker because. He's so. First of all, Stoker rules. Second of all, he is playing this kind of not affable villain, but like, you know. Villain who is passable in normal society because he is handsome. He has this Rosamund Pike thing of, in every performance, there is this just, like, vibe of conceivable sinisterness. That, Matthew like, Good and Stoker. all of his performances. So it's like when you cast someone, be that person to be actually sinister, it works really well. Matthew Good in Stoker is like a chaotic bisexual if the two sexualities were murderer and not murderer. Like, (laughs) instead of heterosexuality and homosexuality, he's like blending murderer and not murderer in very chaotic ways. Yes, yes. I like him a lot. It's so weird to me that Stoker and the Imitation Game are year after year, because Stoker and the Imitation Game, in my memory, feel like they happen 10 years apart from each other. Like, I don't know why I feel that way. Matthew Good cast well in a role that is significant, and I challenge you to tell me what he does in the Imitation Game. I remember, like, I mean, he's like one of the, like, 
other people in Benedict Cumberbatch's orbit. Who's the one I really like in the imitation game? It's the guy from um, Game of Thrones, from the first season of Game of Thrones. What's his name? Is there a hot redhead in this movie? Or no, I'm thinking of the wrong movie. I'm doing the, I'm mistaking the imitation game for the theory of everything. The theory of everything was the one who has uh, the guy from the first season of Game of Thrones, who I think is really good. Um, Continue. That's fine. Um, but this is also when, like, Matthew Good starts being cast in these kind of, I don't want to say yeah. nothing roles, but, like, not distinguishable characters. He is in the Potato movie. Sure is. Uh, he's in Allied, I guess. Although exactly. I don't... That's the thing. It's, 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 you could say that about a lot of things, right? He's in the Potato movie, I guess. He's in... I do remember him in Downton Abbey, where they like bring him in to be like, listen, we got to give Lady Mary a hot guy. And we tried it with the one guy from Weekend for a season, and that kind of fizzled. So now like, we're calling in the reinforcements, we're bringing in Matthew Good, And he's managed to stick around long enough to be in the movies, or at least a movie. Um, He'll be opposite Anthony Hopkins this year in Freud's last session. As we're right. recording this, we might start to hear reactions about it because it's playing AFI. Everything this that I've heard about AFI movie. this year is that like the screenings aren't even full. Ooh. This um, isn't a sneak it, movie. Like, Sony Classics has said movie. that they were releasing this movie around Christmas all year long. It's a sneak movie. Play a real festival. Yeah, grow some balls. Freud, Freud's last session. Play Tiff if you're going to release. Um, he's in The Duke, which we should mention because it was Roger Michel's final film. I had fun with that movie. I still haven't seen it. I feel so bad. It's cute. It like played Venice, but not Toronto. And then the next year played Telluride because it was during the pandemic, and then still didn't come out until the following spring. Uh huh. Sure. Really weird release for that movie. He's in The King's Man. Pass. Which I don't like those movies. I didn't I'm see The King's not Man. Seeing them. I don't You like couldn't those even movies. convince me with Julianne Moore in a skirt suit to see the Ugh, one of those movies. That second one. I'm not seeing it. It's such them. a disappointment. Julianne Moore and Channing Tatum, and it was bad. Um he's another one, like Ben Wishaw and Haley Atwell, who did a lot of TV, um, a lot of uh British TV. He was in Death Comes to Pemberley, which was that uh, continuation of uh, Pride and Prejudice that was on for a while. He was in a bunch of like Agatha Christie stuff. He was, in my opinion, really wasted for like a season and a half on The Good Wife. I was really, really bummed when that character didn't really go anywhere on The Good Wife. He and Matthew Reese have that show where they go around and drink wine. Have you ever seen any of that? Where it's essentially like what? It's I would just watch the, two the of fuck them. out of this. What is this? Is it's this, called please the tell wine? me it's nonfiction. It is nonfiction. It's the wine show. It's him and Matthew Reese, and they just go around and drink wine and talk. It's what? like it's like the trip movies, except it's like except them the... and wine. I like I like those guys. I, can't I like stand Steve Coogan. Sorry, I never like Steve Coogan. Rob Brydon's the funnier one, but like I I I don't know. I I enjoy it. Um, he's on the Crown. Did sure, I stop watching it by the time he showed up? No, he shows up on season two. I don't remember that. Season two was the last season that I kept up with, and then I, it sort of lost me. Um, yeah, a lot it's of TV. a cast of people that we like and wish well for. 
Yes. Gotta get Emma Thompson that Oscar nomination. We gotta get Emma Thompson that Oscar nomination, guys. She came close. She had some precursor-ish stuff, right? She a got BIFA a British nomination. independent. She got a BIFA. We, the good listen, old if they don't want it called BIFA, we're still going to be calling it BIFA. British. Where did you film. summer? I summered in Ibiza, and um, <laughs> I gave Emma where's Thompson. The BIFA? Where's the BIFA? <laughs> um, um, this cast of nominees is really interesting. Haley Atwell shows up for the Duchess uh, in that. Yes. Uh, Chris and Scott Thomas for Easy Virtue, the movie I only remember as a poster with Jessica Biel on it. Sienna Miller for The Edge of Love. And the winner, this is actually a really fucking cool winner, Alexis Segerman for Happy Go Lucky. Who was that in Happy Go Lucky? Her roommate. Great performance. I mean, Love that. like quintessential Fine. Mike Lee supporting player. Good. Performance, Good for the Beefers. Like, amazing. Great call, Beefa. Good job, Beefa. We should also mention that this version of Brideshead Revisited, um, Originally, there was a 1981 miniseries that starred Jeremy Irons that was, like, quite popular and, like, got a bunch of Emmy nominations, I believe, and, and was um, very good. And then they'd been trying to remake it as a feature film for a while, and it was originally at one point set up with David Yates to direct for he Warner Independent. to do Harry Potter 5 instead. <laughs> good decision for David Yates and his bank account, I would say, because he's still uh, raking it in Making from there. And, um. Paul Bettany, Jennifer Connelly, and Jude Law were originally going to be. I imagine Paul Bettany is going to be your Matthew Good, and Jude Law would have been. Well, how would that have worked? Which one is your? You wouldn't ben have Bettany and Connelly playing siblings, is what I would say. Oh, good point. So Bettany is your Charles is your Matthew Good, yeah, yeah. Jennifer Connelly is yeah, and then Jude Law would have been the Ben Wishaw, which he's a little too hale and hearty for yeah, um, yeah. for that, but whatever. My thing is, there is a graveyard somewhere that is littered with the headstones of Paul Bettany, Jennifer Connelly projects that were doomed, either were made and were bad, or and were made and nobody that gets saw. Made is the Charles Darwin movie nobody saw. But it felt like there was a good ten years where they kept trying to make movies and they were going to be in movies together, and it's like, I'm sure that marriage is. Lo- they're still together, right? Yeah. Good and lovely and long-lasting and happy and whatever. And they are just not meant to be a creative partnership. Like, that is just <laughs> not in the cards, y'all. Um, God bless the both of you. And I really... My one thing coming out of Top Gun, when Top Gun was such an obnoxious success to me, um, was like, at the very least... Jennifer Connelly is back out there. And you know who is the one person who has not reaped any rewards from fucking Top Gun Maverick? It's Jennifer goddamn Connelly. What she is better have made like $20 million off of that movie and back-end royalties. I hope she's not somewhere being like, Paul, what movie can we make together after this? It's like, no, Jennifer! Stop <laughs> it! Stop it! Do something else. Should we move on um, to the IMDb game? Let's move on to the IMDb game. Why don't right. you explain the IMDb game to our listeners? Sure. Every week we end our episodes with the IMDb game, where we challenge each other with an actor or actress and try and guess the top four titles that IMDb says they are most known for. If any of those titles are television, voice-only performances, or non-acting credits, we will mention that up front. Ifter, too wrong. Ifter. I became a Kiwi there for a second there. Ifter. Ifter. Ifter, too wrong answers. Ifter, too wrong answers. 
Uh, we get the remaining titles release years as a clue. My apologies to the lovely Melanie Linsky for offending you and all of New Zealand right there. Um, if that's not enough, it just becomes a free for all of hints. That's the IMDb game. Cool. What do you want, kiddo? Do you want to give or guess first? Give me the guess. G- 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 bring, bring it on. Okay, it on. so I actually went into the Julian Gerald filmography. As I mentioned earlier, Fuck, so did he I. directed The Girl, the HBO okay. uh, movie where Alfred Hitchcock is played by none other than Toby Jones. For you, I have Toby Jones. Motherfucker. No television. No television. See, this Toby does Jones not mean has... you have absolutely seen all of these movies. Okay, is one of them? Um, let them. No, not let them all talk. What was the? What was the fucking Truman Capote that we did? Um, infamous. Infamous. Is it infamous? No. Okay, Toby Jones. He's the same fucking guy in everything. Where he's like. Popping up in an office somewhere, being like, "I'm Toby Jones. I'm Toby Jones. Here's a map, Indiana Jones. Like, here's you know what I mean. It's just like he's that guy. Um, although he's in, okay, he's in a Marvel movie doing essentially that, and I think it's Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Is it Captain America: The Winter Soldier? Are you? Do you want to go back to your notes? Back to my notes. You said Winter Soldier. Uh huh. Is that your final guess? <laughs> is it the other Captain America? Is it Captain America: The First Avenger? Yes, correct. Okay. okay. See, I'm being, Thank I'm you not for, being mean to you today. Thank you for bailing me out. Okay. Um. Bend these. Balls. This is probably not right, but at least I'll get clues. The painted veil. The painted veil is correct. <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. All right. So Painted Veil. He's really Captain good America. in that, I remember from when I we do did too. It's show. just like who remembers the Painted Veil? But us. Um Toby 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 Jones. Toby Jones. Ah, Toby 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 Toby. Okay. Um Oh my god. I can like uh, just picture him in so many things. I'm gonna throw out the girl just so I can get a hint. Get, I can get hints. Uh, well, I said no TV, but uh, incorrect. Your years are 2011 here. and 2012. Fuck. Okay. He's not in Les Mis, right? No. Yeah. Um, 2012 is a franchise movie. 2011 is a uh, multiple Oscar nominee. That multiple at Oscar one time nom- people thought could be a best picture nominee but i don't think people like this movie enough that <laughs> but multiple nominations Ooh, just yes. kicked my mic um, including a very prominent acting nomination that i think led to someone's led to that performer's win a few years later oh okay intriguing so the nominees in 2011 you've got Rooney Mara uh Glenn Close, they haven't won. Michelle hasn't won. He's not in the help. You might want to think of a different category. I'm I'm just moving my way down the line. Um actors were Damien Bashir and Moneyball. Not a best picture nominee, but people thought could be. Right, right, point. right, right, right. So the artist and the descendants and Moneyball and Damien Bashir and oh 
Oh, he's in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Correct. Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Is. Okay. All right. Yes. Would have been a much well, better well, acting Oscar for Gary Oldman, in my opinion. Yeah. So, 2012 is... Franchise. Franchise. Superhero franchise? No. But, like, action yeah. franchise. This is the first like, installment of of this franchise. First in- Hunger Games. Hunger Games. Really? He's the Hoda I- to Stanley Tucci's <laughs> Kathy Lee. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he said a bitch. He's the Hoda. That's perfect. All right. I love that. Okay. Um that's it. I did it. I ran the I ran the gauntlet. I ran the Toby Jones gauntlet. All what right. What do you have for me? I also went into the Julian Gerald uh, filmography. He did a fil- uh, TV adaptation of Great Expectations that starred, among others, Charlotte Rampling. Oh. And I didn't check, but I don't remember us doing this one at all. So Charlotte if we have, Rampling? I don't think it's so. It's been a bit. So give me Charlotte Rampling. They're all uh, feature films. This is so interesting because... It could go a lot of different ways with Charlotte Rampling. Curious to see sure what... Surely something on here is not in the English language. Um, swimming Pool. Yes! There swimming Pool. The one I thought would be the hardest one. Yeah. Oh, well, that's helpful. Um, that also makes me think that Zardoz is not on there, which she kind of rules in Zardoz. 45 Years. Yes, 45 Years, her Oscar nomination. It's never let me go in that. She gets the and credit, I'm pretty sure. No, not let ever let me go. I think she does get the and credit. If Swimming Pool you thought would be the hardest to guess, that tells me that like... There might be another one that's... There there might be another one that's, that's harder for you. How far back should I go? Is the Night Porter there? No. Damn. That's two wrong guesses. Your remaining years are 2011 and 2016. Okay, so recent. Yes. Um, one after her Oscar nomination and one before it. Is yeah. 2016 that movie The Sense of an Ending? No. Okay. More well-known than The Sense of an Ending. Right. But not like... I don't know if you pulled the random person on the street, they'd know that this was a, that this had been made into a movie. Oh, so it's a play or a book. Uh, Is it Red no. Sparrow? It's not Red Sparrow, but think along those lines, but it's neither a play nor a book. So I'm going to guess that that's not a movie. It's, from an, it's a remake of a movie? It's not a remake of a movie. It's a prequel. No. What things get adapted into movies? Books, plays, other movies, musicals, but that counts as plays, I'm guessing, in your logic, and comic books and poems. A very popular kind of thing that gets made into movies, even though... um, (laughs) What am I being really stupid about? I don't partake. Video games. Yeah. There we go. Um, I don't see a lot of those movies. What video game was she in? Oh, it no, that's Juliette Binoche. Um, what were you gonna say? I was gonna say Ghost in the Shell. Um, yeah, but no, that's also not a video game. That's anime. Um, 
What video game? Movie? Starring opposite a um. Oh no, I don't think maybe they weren't a couple. I don't know. I don't think they were a couple. Okay, I think of it. Never mind. She in like. Mm. It would be great if she was in a Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> it would be great. Uh, the Dowager Peach. The, Cast the, her as Wendy. Um, yeah. She's Daisy in the new uh, Super Mario Brothers. Movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. I always play as Wen- play as Wendy, so now I'm just gonna think. Of Wait, which one is play. Wendy? Wendy is the girl Bowser. Oh, I've never she's got the giant gold bangles and the bow. If she wasn't in Mario Kart Double Dash, I don't know her. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Um, this is gonna get drive me mad. Okay, based on a video game, um, this person. Also, the, the this director and star also teamed up for a Shakespeare adaptation a few years later. Later. I think. It's not Justin Kurtzel. Oh. That would have been, like, 2015. Oh, then it... Are you thinking of Macbeth? Yes, was that before? Yes. 2016? Okay. Oh, well, what did yes. Justin Kurtzel make? Oh, it's Assassin's Creed. It's Assassin's Creed. <laughs> I, I would have sworn that Macbeth that. was after Assassin's Creed. I didn't know okay. she was in that. Um, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. so okay. 2011. You love this movie. Oh. We've covered this movie. Oh. She's good in this movie. She's mean in this movie. Conceivably so, yes. Um. <laughs> Imagine that. Now that we know it's not Dune, though, does she also get the and in Dune? Is she and she in not. both? I believe and is Dave Batista. Then she's one of the widths, because I don't think she's... Hold on. Um, Dune. Dune poster. Why don't I already have it? She's not on the Dune poster. She might be billed on the poster, but she's not on the poster. No, but she's billed. I mean, she's fucking slays that movie. Um, All downhill from there. Um... Oh God! What have we covered in 2011 with Charlotte Rampling? Uh, it has to. Is it British? Oh no, is it, but it's. She's not in Pride. No, that's not 2011. She's one of the Withs with Charlotte Rampling, with Jason Momoa, and Javier Bardem. Oh, Javier Bardem gets the and. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's not British, but it's not like it was. It's. English language, but European. Oh. Is it Scottish? This is a movie that bums me out. But is that's also the point. But people who love it are like, yeah, this is a movie that bums you out. That's why I like it. Um, okay, so something you would have been like, uh, do we have to do that? Um, should have gotten a Best Actress nomination. Would have been this actress. Melancholia. Yeah, there you go. Melancholia. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, I can't believe it took you that long to get Melancholia. She's only in the first half hour of the movie. But she rules. She's so good. She's so mean. Um, All right. All right. I got to get going. So let's rest. Yeah, that's our episode. If you want more of This Had Oscar Buzz, you can check out the Tumblr at thishadoscarbuzz.tumblr.com. You should also follow us on Twitter at had underscore Oscar underscore buzz and on Instagram at thishadoscarbuzz. Uh, and also, if you're feeling generous, follow us on Patreon at patreon.com slash thishadoscarbuzz. Joe, where can the listeners find more of you? 
Twitter, Letterboxd, at Joe Reed. Reed spelled R-E-I-D. And I am also on Twitter and Letterboxd at Crispy File. That's F-E-I-L. We would like to thank Kyle Cummings for his fantastic artwork and Dave Gonzalez and Gavin Mevius for their technical guidance and Taylor Cole for our theme music. Please remember to rate, like, and review us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever else you get those podcasts. Five-star review in particular really helps us out with Apple Podcast visibility. So go give us a five-star Tell us what you call a person with pneumonia. Are they a num- <laughs> mnemonic, pneumatic, whatever? Mnemonic uh, is also not the word I for know, it. Nope. I know. That's also a word for something else. That's all for this week. We hope you'll be back next week for more Buzz. Buzz.